Diamonds were formed over 3 billion years ago, deep within the Earth's crust, under conditions of intense heat and pressure that caused carbon atoms to crystallize, forming diamonds. Joey Diamond was formed in June 1989 under conditions only known to his parents. Joey played the game with the similar intensity that it takes to help create an actual diamond. Need proof? Stay tuned. Nystrom, Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drops and Bob Gardner goes right to King Flattenfeld. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm -hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. I'd just like to start off by saying this, I imagine, is going to be a running theme throughout the next few months. I have had the worst time this year with my allergies, so I, uh, I might sound a little chunky right now. I might sound a little stuffy. Uh, I might sound like um, Darth Vader with my breathing. Uh, I have asthma, and when I sneeze and have these um, allergy attacks, they are just really annoying. So I will, again, because I know I've already done this, apologize in advance for um, the way that I sound in this intro and the outro. I think... The interview sounds okay, um, but as right before I started hitting record today, um, just started sneezing like a maniac. So really, really brutal allergy season for me so far this year on Long Island. It is beyond obnoxious. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the weather. The weather cools off and we're only in June right now, so uh, so we'll see what happens. But like I said, this is Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. I am your host, Joe Lizito. This is the show that is your source for Islanders Enforcer Talk. Welcome to episode 53, actual episode 70, and today's guest is local Long Island kid, Joey Diamond. Uh, first of all, I would like to wish Joey a happy early birthday as he'll turn 32 on Wednesday. 32, what a kid. Just a pup, Joe, just a pup. Uh, but early happy birthday to you, and of course I will post about that uh, this coming Wednesday. Um, also, before I go any further, even though he doesn't listen to the show, I want to congratulate my youngest son, Dominic. Dominic has his graduation ceremony here in a few hours. I'm recording this on Sunday morning. 
uh dominic i have two sons he's the baby and uh today is his graduation from high school and i'm not going to get into it too much because i am a blubbering baby when it comes to my family but uh dominic i am so proud of you uh mom and i are proud of you and uh, i know you're destined for greatness so um like i said just congratulations to my son dominic i love you kid all right so as far as this program goes please do me a favor if you could subscribe to the show uh like it rate it review it on whatever platform you're listening to uh as far as subscription goes of course it's free and you get the uh content as it's uploaded so right now it's 20 after 10 sunday morning maybe once i piece everything together this thing is uploaded around 11 15 11 30 it's going to be right there for you as a subscriber you're going it's going to hit your inbox for lack of a better word i don't exactly know what it is but uh your shows that you have selected as um subscriptions it will appear right there if you're a subscriber and if not it will show up at some point either later today or tomorrow why wouldn't you subscribe i just bit my tongue why wouldn't you subscribe it's free and if you like the show you get the content early why not it's sunday there's no more football baseball is boring It'll give you something to do today. So, uh, And also, if you like the show and rate the show, that gives the show greater visibility. I believe it appears in more searches for hockey or hockey fights. Whatever it is, it just uh, it helps me out, and, uh, and I can use all the help I can get. If you're on social media, my Twitter account is at Joe underscore Lozito. The Twitter account for the show is at Kali Sinbin Pod facebook.com slash coliseum chronicles podcast instagram the account is coliseum underscore chronicles underscore podcast follow me like that stuff whatever it is on whatever platform i will return the favor in kind like i always say there's enough out there where we can help each other so uh, i'm more than happy to help you just uh let me know i have merchandise Yes, I'm the Gene Simmons of the mom and pop podcasting world. I put my logo on everything. Uh, if you are interested in merchandise, please scroll down uh, slightly after the description of this episode on the platform you are listening to, and you'll see two links. One is the link for the merchandise with the original logo, and the other is the link for the merchandise with the alternate logo. I know what you're thinking. Wouldn't it make sense to have everything under one link? Of course it would. But because I'm offering the same style merchandise, shirts, the same products, just with different logos, uh, either the website is not set up that way or I am just too much of an idiot to figure it out. Both are very viable options. Very, They both make a lot of sense. So um, if you're interested, it's getting warm here. I have tank tops, uh, T-shirts. I don't think you need any hoodies, but uh, but that's on there too. There's leggings totes socks uh onesies for your baby you want to just have him put the onesie on run around in the backyard for your barbecues now in the summer there's a whole lot of good stuff on there so uh so definitely check out the merchandise and uh as the listener exclusive discount this week if you go to either of the um uh, websites for either of the merchandise and use code diamond 20 d-i-a-m-o-n-d two zero you will get 20 percent off any items in the store so if you order one item you get 20 percent off if you order every item you get 20 percent off your entire order that coupon code diamond 20 is valid for one week 
It will expire on June 21st, 2021. Now, why do you even have merchandise, Joe? You're, you're small potatoes. You're, you know, mom and pop. Well, a long time ago, I reached out to a local Long Island artist named Joe Marisich, who you've seen his work, especially if you're an Islander fan. Uh, the guy's amazing. And I took my chance and asked Joe if he'd help me out coming up with a logo. And, if, you know, I say, of course, only now because I know what a good guy he is. Uh, but he helped me out and I love the logo. And uh, I said, hey, why not? Let's put it on T-shirts. Let's put it on whatever. But it all started with Joe Marisich saying, yes, he would help me. And he made this amazing logo. And he can work for you also. He is available for hire. If you'd like to get in touch with Joe, go on Twitter at GraphicsJoker. Or you can reach him at loudegg.com. You've seen my logo. It's pretty amazing. Uh, and like I said, if you're an Islander fan, a Jet fan, a Met fan, uh, you've seen Joe's work before. Go on his Twitter. Look at what he's done. Uh, amazing artist. And like I said, he is very, very easy to work with. Uh, if you have an art project, you'd really be foolish not to contact him. So check him out. Joe Marisich at GraphicsJoker or loudegg.com. So this morning I was uh, running errands and I tuned in to the fourth line voice podcast. And uh, that's my friend Darren out in Saskatoon. And uh, today was a Sunday shit show episode. I only got a few minutes in and yesterday he promoted the episode as the something like the worst episode ever. Now he always says that the Sunday shows are whatever. I'm not going to say he says they're crap or whatever, but he's very critical of himself. And I, I love his Sunday episodes, uh, but I only got a few minutes in and Darren, if you're listening to this, I just hope you're okay. Um, it, it doesn't, it didn't suck. It, I found it entertaining, but I also found it worrisome. So I hope things are okay uh, inside your head right now. As your friend, I was a little worried. Uh, maybe you were just in a bad mood, but uh, as long as you're okay, I will finish. Well, I'm going to finish listening to the episode at some point today. Anyway, but I just hope you're okay. Definitely check it out. Definitely worth listening to. His uh, Darren has two episodes a week on Wednesdays. He has player interviews on Sundays. He does the Sunday shit shows. This past Wednesday, excuse me, this past Wednesday, he had returning guest Adam Huxley. You may remember Adam from his stint with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Uh, Darren has done a full-length interview with Adam. And on Wednesday, they did uh, Adam's top five toughest opponents. It's sort of a sub-series, like I have the season series uh, for my show, and it's a sub-series that Darren does to his show, and they kind of focus on five fights, but they always talk about more than five opponents, and it's always a fun listen, so check that out. Check out his back catalog. He has well over 100 episodes, and, um, you know, he's the OG of the Enforcer podcast world, so definitely uh, give him a listen, and uh, check out his episode that he released today, and see if you're as worried as I am. Also, he has a YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice YouTube, Hockey Fights. If you've ever watched a hockey fight on YouTube, chances are it was on the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. And if you haven't watched it, go and watch it. There's every, I mean, obviously not every player, but there's so much, hundreds and hundreds of players, different teams, different leagues. Just go to the search, put in a league, put in a team, put in a player. Next thing you know, it's three hours later. Your wife is yelling that you haven't mowed the lawn or whatever. You know, you haven't cooked dinner, whatever it is. You know, hey, it's 2021. I got to be fair, right? Don't want to get canceled. But check it out. Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. 
excellent, excellent stuff. I know that I am on there as I am researching every single episode that I do. I just meander my way to the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. Another podcast who uh, a couple of episodes ago said it was his final podcast, but his fa- his final podcast for the season, but his team just keeps on winning, so I'm pretty sure he's going to have a few more episodes coming up. And that's the Bucket Drop Podcast with my friend Bobby Longgrass. Bobby does these short, quick hit episodes. Oh, plus he, he does, uh, on his show, he does gambling stuff too and combat sports. So UFC had a card last night. I think he made a few bets. I'm sure he'll have a new episode out, uh, which we'll call it recapping how he did. But also with Montreal, I believe their series with Vegas starts on Monday. He'll, I'm sure he'll have another episode or two coming. Uh, Bobby, like I said, he does these short episodes, but he used to do interviews. Uh, I would check out his whole back catalog too. There's some good stuff on there. And uh, especially if you're bilingual because he does uh, English or French too. He's uh, he's very talented So uh, in both languages. So check out the, uh, the uh, Bucket Drop podcast as well. I've said this every week. If you could please, please do me a favor. My friend Steve is, is running a GoFundMe to bring back the Drop Your Gloves website. Not the actual Drop Your Gloves website. The the style of website, just bigger, better, and better. Uh, if you please, if you would please, go to my Twitter. Uh, I, I tweet about it every day. Uh, it's a picture of, I believe, John Cordick and Terry Karkner, Montreal, Quebec. Um, just, just click on the GoFundMe. If you have a dollar, if you have $5, please donate. I think that we're about 50 bucks shy of $5,000. And Steve went to some web designers and they said to do a website like this, it's going to cost about 10. So it was going good for a while. It's kind of stalled out. And the one thing I always ask of you people is if you can't afford to donate anything, please just retweet my tweet because you never know who's on your feed that doesn't see my tweet. And maybe they might be able to donate a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars. So please, if you cannot donate anything, please just retweet my tweet. And if you can donate anything, you know, one dollar, five dollars, everything helps. And I know we would greatly appreciate it. Now, I did release an episode last week, but there were some technical difficulties. So uh, if you managed to listen to it before I had to take it down, um, some of this might be a repeat. But uh, I'm assuming maybe a lot of you did not. So I'm not going to repeat everything I said in the episode intro last week. I'm just going to touch on a few things. First thing is the return of the uh, 2021 Islanders slash Bridgeport Sound Tigers fight report. And I thought we were done. And pleasantly surprised that we were not done. Because on June 5th in the playoff game against Boston, there were two fights. Scott Mayfield got into his first fight of the season. Uh, regular season or playoffs, he fought Taylor Hall. And uh, a few moments later, Matt Martin fought Jared Tenorti. One thing I want to say about the Scott Mayfield fight. So Taylor Hall was having, he was lights out since he went to Boston. He was playing very well. And he was having a good playoff as well. Taylor Hall was absolutely invisible after that fight with Scott Mayfield. Now, I'm not saying that Scott Mayfield beat him senseless. He didn't. All I'm saying is, and if you watch the games, you know what I'm talking about. This is not me being a homer. If you look at what Taylor Hall did in the playoffs before the Scott Mayfield fight, and you look at what Taylor Hall did in the playoffs after the Scott Mayfield fight, he did absolutely nothing. And 
you know, say what you want about it, but you can pinpoint it to that fight where Taylor Hall became a non-factor in the playoffs. So the uh, fight report may not be dead yet for the year. That brings the Islander fight total up to seven, five in the regular season and two in the playoffs. And um, if you're listening to this, you probably are well aware that the Islanders are the Patrick division champions this year. Um, They beat Pittsburgh and they beat Boston. Uh, And now today, later on today, in about four and a half hours, they start their semifinal series against Tampa. So I know you're wondering who I'm going to pick. And, you know, at the beginning of every year, I always pick my favorite teams to win the championship because if you don't have that feeling of positivity, and maybe some people would say it's unrealistic. I mean, obviously, if you're an Islander fan, you you remember some of the past years, and, and they were some pretty bad years, like the Milbury years, uh, and they didn't stand a chance to win the championship during those years. But I always feel like coming into a season, there's always this optimism. So I, of course, predicted the Islanders would win the Stanley Cup this year because I pretty much do that every year. So if I predicted the Islanders were going to win the Cup before the season started, I'm obviously predicting they're going to beat Tampa now, and I'm predicting that they win the series in seven games. So I wouldn't put any money on it because I can't analyze the series for you. I haven't seen Tampa play a single minute this year. But Islanders in seven, that is the official Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box prediction. Let's go Islanders. So um, something I did touch on last week, so you might be hearing this again, but uh, it's not very long. That's what she said. Andrea and I were fortunate enough to attend um, games three and game six against the Bruins uh, at the Coliseum. And uh, as you may or may not know, that is where Andrea and I met back in 1992. Uh, we met there, and um, obviously we're married now, so things uh, things worked out. And you've heard me say a million times how I don't find the game as entertaining as I used to, which is pretty much... I support that fact by telling you I cannot watch any other hockey except an Islander game. I have not watched. I watched a little bit of the Winnipeg series because I was rooting for Winnipeg, but uh, back in the day I could watch any game, exhibition, regular season, playoffs, any two teams. Now, if it's not the Islanders, I just can't watch it anymore. So, But I love watching the Islanders. I mean, it has to be the Islanders or Bridgeport or something for me to actually sit down and enjoy a game. So... For game three, we were watching, you know, uh, watching the um, warm-up. Jesus, what's wrong with my head today? Just having the guys come out of the tunnel, to me, is one of my favorite parts of the game. So, if you know me, you know one of my favorite movies is Moneyball, and which is ironic since I think analytics has ruined baseball. It definitely has ruined baseball for me. I haven't watched the game in two seasons. Like I said, the irony... Um, but there's a line in Moneyball that I will apply to hockey and it goes, it's hard not to be romantic about baseball. And I absolutely buy that because as, excuse me, as a sports fan, I do get romantic about baseball, the baseball that I grew up with, the baseball that, um, even up to the last few years that I watched when you'd see a a player play an old school style 
you, you kind of makes you feel good because there's so many players. I think most players in baseball now are all about themselves and maybe most players in sports. I think it's as the new players, as the new generations come in, it's, it's a me. It's all about me. How do I get on ESPN? How do I build my brand? And that's just not for me. So when I think about baseball, I think about the 70s, I think about the 80s, and yes, I get nostalgic. And it, it happens that way with hockey, too. I, I don't really get nostalgic about the game today. Like I said, it, it's unwatchable to me, unless it's the Islanders. But one of the things I've always enjoyed is the anticipation of the boys coming out of the tunnel, whether it's for uh, the warm-up or for the game. And it just is like you're watching, and they have the the whatever it is and it's not a curtain but they they pull out the uh, whatever you know what i mean if you're not it's let's call it a curtain they pull out the curtain so unless you're looking directly into it you can't see them coming out and then next thing you know the spotlight comes on and now the guys come out and they do their big first circle and the place goes crazy and that's one of my favorite parts of the game because it's almost like you're unlocking the cage and now here come the gladiators and Obviously, it was more of a gladiatorial game back in the day, but now you're you're unleashing the combatants. And to me, there's something very romantic about that, very nostalgic about that. And in game three, after the warm-up, and they go back into the room to have the meeting, as they were coming out of the tunnel, the first guy out, you know, coaches come out first. First guy out was Barry Trotz. And... I don't think he did it on purpose. It might have just been been what he always does. I'm not sure. But it was the first home game of this series. The first two games were in Boston. And when Barry came out, he kind of methodically walked towards the door and looked up at the crowd, looked both ways, almost as if he was, as if he was soaking it in. And he just sort of it, – it, it was very quick. If you weren't watching, you may not have noticed – but it was very cool to see almost like, all right, these are my people. These are our guys. And he just looked like he was just taking it all in. And and if you've watched, you know, hockey the last two years, you see Barry Trotz wears the mask. And I always say he looks like Bane from uh, the Dark Knight movie with that mask on. So it almost looked like uh, Bane in the scene where they're in the stadium, the football stadium, where he's just kind of looking everything over uh, before he starts the destruction. But uh, that whole scene, watching Barry come out and looking up at the crowd, and like I said, sort of in, in a methodical way, almost like he's, you know, like I said, it's it's the Coliseum, literally and figuratively, uh, and the boys are going to go to battle now. And he just took a moment to survey the, the environment. It looked unbelievable, and I got goosebumps, and I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. And then the coaches come out, and then here come the boys. And, you know, it's just... Uh, it's just something I get very nostalgic about. And of course I wish that, um, you know, the game was like it used to be. Um, but I think those days have gone the way of the dinosaur. And that's why for a lot of people my age, it's, it's a, it's a disappointing game to watch now, but uh, I will always watch the Islanders. That's my team. And uh, no matter how unwatchable the rest of the league gets, I'm going to watch the Islanders and I've been fortunate enough that they've always had players on there that play physical. Uh, so I don't see that stopping anytime soon. So even though the game itself has changed and I don't think it's changed for the better it, to, to watch these playoff games with the Islanders and to actually be in the building where I met my wife 
and watch these two playoff games in an environment where everybody is going crazy was just so much fun. And I'm so grateful that uh, we had the opportunity to get back and, uh, and see those games. So the Tampa series starts today. I really doubt I'm going to be able to get to any of the uh, semifinal games. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have the pull like longtime fan Damian Woody or the bachelorette or anything like that. Uh, you know, these celebrities, they seem to just so I have to make a phone call. And uh, even though they never gave a shit about the team, they're in. Uh, Damian Woody's been a fan for a couple of years. The guy sits in the front row right behind the net. But anyway, that's a pet peeve of mine. I won't go into it. But I do think there's a certain element of horseshit about the whole thing, the way teams trip all over themselves to uh, lick the asses of celebrities when the regular fans are either priced out or shut out of the games. But. That's that's just my opinion. You don't want to hear me bitch and moan about that. So getting to today's episode, Joey Diamond, if you're uh, from Long Beach or uh, you follow the youth hockey scene here on Long Island, you're well aware of who Joey Diamond is. Really, really cool interview for me to do. I love the fact that uh, here's a kid that worked his way up through the, the Long Island hockey scene, eventually played on some under-17, under-18 tournaments overseas, uh, played for one of the biggest college hockey programs in the nation. And next thing you know, he's skating for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. One step away from his childhood team, the New York Islanders. Literally one step away from skating at the Nassau Coliseum as a New York Islander. And I think that is such an amazing story. Uh, and I was really pumped that that Joe was uh, Joey was in, interested in doing the interview. So uh, so I loved it. If you're from Long Island, like I said, if you follow the amateur hockey scene or if you're a fan of college hockey, you're well aware of who Joey Diamond is. And I ask you one question. Is it me or as you listen to this, does Joey Diamond sound a lot like Chris Weidman? Maybe it's their, uh, I want to say Long Island accent. I don't think I have one, but they they do. So maybe that's why. But I think their voices are very, very similar which makes sense. They're both tough and, uh, you know, I don't know, but I hope you enjoy this, uh, this interview. I think it's really cool. And, uh, you see, it comes out how appreciative Joey is with all the people that helped him along the way and, uh, you know, created this path, you know, he created the path for himself, but he had some help along the way from different coaches and mentors and his family. So, uh, this was a really fun interview for me to do. Uh, and like I said, uh, Joe, I, I believe he was really happy with the way he came out, as am I. One thing I want to say uh, for so many of us, you know, for so many men, the, you know, our dads are big influences. And uh, I always try to be an influence to my sons. I hope I am. And uh, I know how big of an influence that uh, Joey's dad, Mike, was for his, uh, you know, his hockey career and just raising him. And I know that, uh, Joey's dad, Mike was, uh, was a hero to him. And, uh, unfortunately Mike is no longer with us. Uh, we talk about him in the episode. Uh, Mike was a hero. Uh, he, uh we get into the uh, Mike being down, uh, you know, helping out with nine 11 cleanup and rescue and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not going to go into it too much. It's actually better for you to hear it come from, uh, from Joey's lips uh, he'll do it way more justice. He did way more justice to that story than I could do right now. So I'd rather you 
hear Joey talk about his father. But one thing I want to bring up that uh, we didn't get to in the interview. In 2019, the Michael Diamond Charitable Foundation was created to raise funds to support local causes near and dear to Mike that represent the values he lived his life by. So like everything else, uh, they, well, they held an annual golf tournament, but like everything else, uh, it did not go off last year due to COVID. I don't believe it's going off this year, but it's not dead. It, it's just like everything else, it's on hold with COVID. Um, so I'm going to ask you to please visit michaeldiamondfoundation.com for more information and for how you can help out. Uh, and like I said, once they get the charity golf tournament up and going again, uh, it's, I imagine it's something that people can sign up for. Uh, I'm sure you can also make donations to the foundation. The foundation, the, the monies go to uh, very worthy causes that help out a lot of people. So like I said, if you have a second, please go to michaeldiamondfoundation.com. Please bookmark the foundation and check back time to time for updates because uh, one thing I will say about Long Beach that I really didn't know until I started working at Lincoln Center and my friend who's my boss, uh, Pete Myers, I always call him the mayor of Long Beach because he seems to have his hands involved in everything like the polar bears and he's always doing something for the town. And it seems like people, the residents of Long Beach, are really invested in the town and they want to make it a great place for their children and for the community. And uh, I never met Joey's dad, but it seems like his dad, Mike was very similar to my friend Pete. And I'm sure to a lot of people in that town where they're all in for long beach, they're all invested in the town, in the community. And uh, a lot of towns here on long Island are like that. So I'm not surprised, but please go to michaeldiamondfoundation.com. Uh, go through the website, bookmark it. If you can help, help. If not, just like I said, if you're if you like golf and you're interested in playing in the next charity event, just keep an eye out for that. Uh, you won't be disappointed. You know, Joey's a good dude. He comes from good stock, so um, so please check that out. And um, you know, for me, for what it's worth, I mean, like I always say, you know, like my friend Darren always says about our shows, we're the mom and pop stores uh, of the podcast world. Uh, we don't have the following and the reach of some of the bigger ones. So, uh, Joe, I, Joey, I hope you don't mind, but I'd like to dedicate this episode uh, to the memory of your father. So uh, I want to dedicate this episode to the memory of Michael Diamond. And without further ado, here's my chat with Joey Diamond. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. One of the really cool things about this show is that I get to talk to people from uh, all different parts of the world, uh, you know, different parts of Canada, different parts of the States. But today, the really cool thing is I get to speak to someone who is probably a 15, 20 minute drive away from me right now. And, uh, you know, comes from Long Beach, Long Island with the influx of Long Island talent. I'm sure you've heard uh, that town, whether you watch the Bruins or the Rangers, uh, you're hearing Long Beach and Long, Long Island hockey is really taking off. And this guy was a little bit ahead of the curve. Uh, welcome to Coliseum Chronicles, Joe Diamond. How's it going, Joe? I'm good, good. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. So do we prefer Joe, Joey? What are we going by nowadays? Uh, uh, my mother always called me Joey, so that's that's kind of how I introduce myself, but uh, yeah, Joey. <laughs> all right, all right. So um, the first thing I'm going to ask, and it's the first thing I ask everybody, is um, if I had a time machine and I went back in time, 
And um, I know, you know, we don't have the ponds here that they do up in Canada, but if I able, was able to see a young Joey Diamond skating at the Long Beach Ice Arena, who were you as a kid? Who was your hockey hero? Oh, man, they're, they're, that's a tough one. Um, there's so, I, I don't want to, there's so many, but I think I was, I liked people who I got to know. Mm. So I know, like, um, in Long Beach, they had um, the Apple Corps hockey camp. Yep. And Brian Mullen, mm-hmm. Derek King, Mick Vakoda always came down to uh, help out. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was just naturally like these guys are in the NHL. NHL, So it was like they're, and they're talking to you and you're signing autographs. Oh, my God. Like you're, you're, you're kind of very amazed. So like I would say – Anyone who played in the NHL, and I know that's very like broad, but um, I would say Brian Mullen, Derek King, Mick Fakoda. Obviously, I had the there. I think it was the 1990 um, New York Islanders like highlight video yeah. with Pat Lafontaine, and I watched that probably about not even exaggerating like 500 times, nice. like when I was a kid. Yeah, so all the Islanders and. Um, Mick Fakota, Derek King, and Brian Mullen were probably right up there along with Pat LaFontaine. But, um, yeah, those were the guys I looked up to in the very, very beginning, mm-hmm. six, seven, eight years old. Cool. Now, um, for those of you who don't know, if you're, uh, if you're a little bit younger, uh, Long Beach has a tradition, a rich hockey tradition. The Rangers used to practice at the Long Beach Ice Arena. Um, so, Joe, I know you're a little bit young for that, but I'm assuming maybe your dads and your uncles were hockey fans. So did you grow up in a Ranger household? Um, I grew up, I would, I want to say just a, um, an athletic household. Mm -hmm. Uh, it it wasn't so much the Rangers. Um, I mean, I, my, my mom and dad have some stories and family members, um, working down, uh, in the bars here in Long Beach, you know, you know, you, you see, you see Steve Stemkowski come in, Raj Bear, all these guys coming in because the practice facility is the Long Beach Arena, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, I would say I grew up true Islanders, mm-hmm. Islander fan. Uh, my dad has a good story um, when the Islanders won the cup. One of his buddies uh, was one of the ushers at the game, or one of the waiters down in like the players lounge and stuff like that. And I think it was the third cup in 80, I want to say 82. Um, he has a story where his buddy snuck him into the locker room and he, he's, you know, hanging out with the guys with the cup and everything like that. So I think that's kind of where that Islander, uh, Islander fan base came in into my family. Excellent. So uh, just a little bit off hockey here, uh, because you mentioned your dad. So uh, if my research was correct, your dad's a retired New York city cop. And uh, I, I'm proud to say that my sister is a retired, uh, is a retired New York city cop. And if I'm not mistaken, was your dad uh, down at the uh, towers at nine 11? Uh, and if so, you were, you were a pretty young kid then. And, and I'm assuming that, I always say, like, I had an incident in my life where my kids were thrust into reality at an early age, and I would venture to think if if your dad was down there, that would really have thrusted you into reality at an early age. Yeah, I, um, 
Yeah, he was uh, on the New York City Harbor Patrol at the time. He was down there at the towers. I remember I was in seventh grade. I, I feel like when you're old enough, you you remember exactly where you were at that at that day and time. Um, I was in seventh grade, seventh period, middle school, and um, I remember hearing the news, and then and then things start like clicking into reality a little bit, and be like, oh, that's New York City. That's that's where my dad works and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I got home, my mom's like, he's okay, you know, this and that. And I remember waking, waiting, waiting up that whole night and he comes in just like full of debris, like all like a white kind of ghost. Like he was able to like wash his face and hands, but his clothes and everything. He was right, um, right down there, um, with the Harbor patrol. And, um, yeah, that was a pretty, it was a pretty, um, pretty wild uh wild day as as you know you could remember i'm sure right that's it was um yeah pretty wild yeah i remember um, time I was... oh god i'm sorry no 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 yeah i yeah i just remember yeah. and so like long beach too like where we live it's a barrier island right so right up the block from me is i have the beach on one side that you could hit an iron iron too and then you know you're using your driver to go to the bay and i remember just go riding my bike up to the bay and seeing just all smoke yeah. just coming coming down and what was pretty wild too was i'll never forget the next day was um right out on the ocean when you walk up to the beach you always see like all the tankers coming in all like from overseas mm-hmm. going into new york city harbor it was all military ships and for like two weeks we just had all like fighter jets carriers coming in and flying i remember seeing that that was that was pretty wild time um wild yeah (laughs) yeah i know that day i was at work and uh and my wife was at home because we uh we had a one-year-old at the time and um she was at home with him and i was at work and we were both trying to reach my sister and uh to find out you know if she was okay and everything and we actually were lucky that uh her i don't know her squad whatever it was they were actually at the driving range that day they were still out on long island so she had to go in after that but when when all the shit went down uh, fortunately she wasn't there. So, uh, so we're, yeah. we're lucky in that respect, but, uh, but I wanted to ask you about that because, uh, you know, with your dad being a hero and everything, I wanted to make sure I brought that up. So, yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's coming up to 20 years this year. So yeah. it's, um, it's wild that it's 20 years and, um, no, I appreciate you asking. I'm glad, um, you know, on your side, things were when, um, when fortunate for you guys. Yeah, thank you. So uh, we get back to hockey. You had uh, mentioned uh, the New York Apple Corps. So when you go to your hockey DB or your elite prospects, it does. Uh, I think that's the first line, actually, the uh, New York Apple Corps. But if my understanding is correct, the Apple Corps is is a, a, an organization that start. You could start way young, like single digits, and that's really where you uh, honed your skills and grew up playing hockey. Correct in the Apple Corps. Yeah, yeah, Long Beach Arena. I, I was fortunate enough in the rink. I rode my bike to the rink most days. Um, uh, Long Beach, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, New York Apple Corps. Um, I, I think I was the only the only player uh, in, like, the Apple Corps to go from, from, like, mini mites all the way to juniors and play at every level from um, – but, yeah, I, I grew up there. It was I, – I, I mean, the – 
friendships that you grow that you have like that you have or growing up playing hockey it's like it's it's kind of cool i see i have a lot of friends very very close friends that i played from mini mites to still hanging out today at 31 years old so um yeah it was a great program um I, I like I was lucky. It, it was very easy. I'm one of five um, children, and so my brother played Apple Corps. Um, he's actually with the FDNY now, going on close to 15 years. Um, but yeah, growing up in Long Beach, I, I, I mean, it, the, we had the rink right down the block, so it was very, very uh, fortunate to have such a a good organization being right down the block from you. And the uh, the gentleman that ran the organization is his name uh, Henry Lazar, is that right? And uh, if, if that's him, how important was he to your development and uh, eventually leading you to turn pro? Yeah, Henry. Um, there, there's a crazy situation like um, with Henry. Uh, he he was great. Um, he he knows how he knows hockey. Um, he ha- he has a great sense for player development. Um, you know. Uh, you know, hockey was, is a very expensive sport. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there was one time where there was a year, a situation where I didn't think I was going to be playing. And I think it was in like eighth or ninth grade. Um, and Henry said, no, he has to play. Like he, Joey has to play. And um, that's something I'll never forget. But I, I, I've known Henry since I've been four years old. I was a rink rat at Long Beach. But um, yeah, he... He he did something um, that something I will never forget, and um, he he has a knack for you know finding really really good players and developing leagues and players. So um, I think it, at at that time it was it was a huge huge um, um, how do I say it um, like a develop like. At that st- at that time in my mm-hmm. development, there yeah. was a it was, he did a huge huge favor for uh, my family. Great. Um, now you also attended Long Beach High School, played hockey for them, and uh, their coach was Joe Brand, who I assume is someone who uh, you would look at as a as a role model and someone who also helped you in your development. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Um, Joe Brand. I don't think there's 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 probably. I don't have enough words to say he was a big mentor for me still is. I, I, um, I talk to him, um, frequently, uh, Long Beach high school hockey. It's, it's very close knit. And between Joe brand, Dickie Schmenti, Keith Casey, um, they, they make the game extremely, extremely fun. And the motivation that they give kids to play the game at that at a high school level um, is something that is very, very um, inspirational and in why they've done it for over, you know, 20 years now. Um, but Joe Brand, yeah, he's been a mentor for me since I've been in, you know, seventh grade. He used to have the uh, deli in Long Beach called Zambonis, mm-hmm. which was uh, great. And then along with Brand's Deli. But um yeah, very big mentor for me and um, someone I, I, I still talk to this day. And you won at least one state championship with uh, Long Beach, right? Yeah, we, uh, that's probably, um, we won in 2005. I was a sophomore. Um, for the first time, we had the New York State tournament in Long Beach. 
So um, I think there's like, there's probably like a video of it on YouTube somewhere, but it, it was wild. It was state championship. Long Beach has never won the state championship before. Um, and it was on our home, uh, our home ice. And it was probably one of it was probably the best, the best hockey weekend I, I've ever been a part of or best accomplishment, just being able to win a state championship with all your best friends. We still see kids today um, and friends today that, you know, that's something that's a memory. Like you'll never, uh, you'll never, uh, you'll never forget. So um, yeah, 2005 uh, was uh, that state championship. Now, was that also the year that you uh, played in Switzerland for the under-17 U.S. team? Uh, I believe so. I think, yeah, because <laughs> after that, uh, after that, I think it was that next summer, I went to the U.S. development tryouts, and then, yeah, it was in Switzerland. It was, I think it was in August, yep. So what was that experience like? Was that your first time playing hockey out in North America? It was first time overseas, first time, uh, you know, I, I, I think the, the crazier part of it, now that I'm like thinking back of it, Jesus, I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Playing with the best kids in the country at that time, you know, like, I think that's where it was, it was a lot of fun. That's where I was like, oh, wow, I, I actually have like, there's like a shot at, you know, playing college hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, after that tournament, there was, you know, getting letters from all colleges and stuff like that. And I'm like, Oh wow. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, not, not like, but I didn't know how good I was until, and you never know while you're playing. I feel like at least for me, my confidence wasn't like a, a cocky kind, but, um, yeah, that was that was 2005. We wind up winning it. We had a bunch of good guys on that team too. Um, I want to say like Ryan McDonough was on that team. Uh, Jimmy Hayes. Uh, I'd have to look at the roster. Yeah. Both years were mm-hmm. were fun. I think the next year we went to the Avon Halinka tournament yeah. as well, um, where we lost to Canada in the in the final. Uh, the final game where Eddie Olchek was our coach that year too, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's nice. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Um, now after Long Beach high school, you, did you play a year in the South Kent prep? How did you end up there after Long Beach? So I went to South Kent. I was, um, just kind of wanted to get out of Long Beach, like the mm-hmm. prep school. And it was either prep school or juniors. I have, um, my dad knew, um, had a couple of friends that, played around the game and they were like, Hey, this might be a good fit. I went to South Kent prep school. Um, and I wanted to go up. My, my uncle went to, went to prep school, um, in New Hampshire, um, Tilton school. So it was something I like, I kind of wanted to do. Like I wanted to like, just, you know, have a change, see a different like scenery and stuff like that. And it was great. I loved school. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we had a really good team that year. Um, I think we lost in the semifinals that year at Jeff Maritola as a coach. Um, a lot of skilled players. Uh, it was a great experience going away to um, away to school or boarding school. It's a different life, but it was definitely a great experience for me at the time. So after that, how did you end up in uh, in Omaha with the Lancers for 
or uh, 07, 08? So I, I was drafted by Chicago, the Chicago Steel in the USHL, mm-hmm. and they kind of, they gave up my rights because I didn't. I thought I was going back to South Kent, so they gave up my rights, and Omaha picked them up, and I, I think mid, mid, uh, mid summer, I, uh, I was like, I'm not, I, I kind of, the USHL is the best junior league in the country. And I wanted to, you know, have like, see where I could fit in, um, in that league. And I, I, I've heard nothing but great things. I know uh, I had a few buddies who played on the team the year before. So I was able to ask them some questions about it and they said they loved it. It was an easy sell for me. I was like, okay, I'm going to Omaha. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the league has just thrived Uh, every year. It seems like they're getting bigger and bigger where it's definitely mentioned, you know, basically in the same breath as the Canadian Junior Leagues, too. Right. Yeah. My first year, we went up. It's uh, So I think it was it was Luke Robitaille owned a part of the Omaha Lancers that year. And we took like a 28-hour trip from Omaha all the way to Quebec. And it was Quebec, I want to say Ramouski we played, and the Quebec Ramparts. And one of the teams were... Um, Owned by Patrick Waugh. So I think that it was, was like, Quebec. Yeah, Quebec. And it was funny because um, Luke Robitaille comes in and it's like, holy Ooh, shit, this is Luke Robitaille, you know? Like, mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, we got to beat Patrick's team, blah, 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 <laughs> you know? Like, very cool. And we wind up we wind up winning both games and uh, great experience, too. Like, now, one, uh, of, one of your teammates in Omaha that people may be familiar with was uh, Andrew Conboy. Uh, any memories playing with uh, Conboy? Yeah, Conboy. He's a great. He's a great. Uh, great buddy. He had uh, tough as now. So willing. Um, it was funny. Uh, so Conboy, he 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 was just a big presence. Mm-hmm. Scary, tough, and but most like fun, very very fun off the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, it was funny. So after Omaha, I went to, um, Hamilton mm-hmm. and played for the Red Wings and juniors and he left Michigan and signed with the Hamilton Bulldogs. So we back to back years, we were in the same city, nice. um, which was fun. Um, and then I, I brought him down to Long Beach a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, just a g- great guy, tough as nails, um, yeah, great player, great player. So there are really only two qualifications to appear on this program. One is you have to have some connection to the Islanders. The other connection is you have to be tough. So here's where we're going to start talking about some of the some of the scraps that you were in. Uh, now, I don't have any video on these, so I'm just going to throw out some names. And uh, if there's anything interesting about them, feel free to elaborate. If not, we'll move on. Uh, so for this year in Omaha, I have you uh, fighting – Two guys from Tri-City, Josh Berg and Mike uh, Sishi. I don't know if that's how you say the name. And uh, Dane Walters of Sioux Falls. So I don't know anything that happened in those fights, but if anything interesting happened, would you care to share? Um, no, I think I I, I remember – I, I kind of remember them, but, like, it's such 
a long time ago, but yeah. I remember just being in that league, mm-hmm. playing in that league, and you're like, you're allowed to fight. Yeah, <laughs> I've never played in the league that were like, all right, you're dropping the gloves and you're you're gonna fight. So like that was like kind of my like you learn a lot about yourself. It's like, Oh, can I handle myself? Okay. I, I think I did very well. Like on like a, one or two fights. Mm-hmm. And then one fight I, I thought I, I, I did good the first two fights. And then the third fight, I don't think I did very well. Mm-hmm. I just got a little cocky and yeah. thought like, this is um, something I could do, and I, I, I don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it, but it was like you learn a lot uh, about yourself, and in that sense, to where um, I think for me it was, you know, you you pick and choose your battles, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of just being in that league and being able to fight and only going into the box for five minutes. It's like, oh wow. All right, and just the respect you get from the guys on on both teams, really. Now, uh, for those of you that may not be familiar with Joe, um, even though he he had a, a good share of fights, Joe, you were always listed at five eight one seventy five. Is that accurate, or is uh, that is that generous? I I think it's very generous. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, um, what what were you? Uh, what did you actually play at? So my first year in, with the Islanders, that was I was 175. Mm-hmm. That was the heaviest I've ever been, mm-hmm. and I bulked up that summer just going in, and I realized like I I couldn't move that fast yeah. with being that weight. <laughs> yeah. But I was probably like always between 160, 165, and um, five eight. Is that accurate? No, I'd say five seven. Okay, five five six and a half seven. Right, right. We'll go now, on the five seven side. <laughs> and, and you know what? And I always say, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm I'm six two, I, I'm a million pounds right now. But as far as being a hockey fan, like I always enjoyed looking, you know, watching the smaller guys who played. They were, played like they were ten feet tall. So I always appreciate guys your your size. And it's funny because then I always look back at guys that are massive, and I'm not even talking about now since the game has changed, but even back in the 80s and the 90s where you had these big guys that were afraid of their own shadow, it just gives me, it makes me have more respect for someone like yourself who is not the biggest guy in the world, but you never take a backward step. So I admire that about your game. Oh, thank you. It's uh, It comes with having an older brother who's bigger than you. <laughs> <laughs> that beats you up. <laughs> so as long as I can get one shot in, I'm I'm happy with that. <laughs> I love it. Um, and that year you won the Clark Cup. We did. Um, yeah, we won the Anderson and the Clark. We That was probably the best team I've, like, probably ever played on. Like, not, not you know, discouraging any other team that I've played on, but just, like, through and through, like being able, the toughness, being able to fight, the skill that we had, the um, the coaching staff with Mike Hastings and Lee Mendelson, um, just the whole from top to bottom, everyone was willing, and everyone was to block shots to do. I think we won the first like twelve games that year, like in a row, and it, it was. It was just a very, very fun year, and then to top it off, we win, we win um, the Clark Cup in Game Five in overtime at our home rink, and that, that's like a year I'll never forget. Um, it, it was one of the crazy, craziest 
feelings like seeing Barry Almeida. I think uh, I don't know if you ever seen the video, but it's probably one of the better overtime game series cup goals you like you'll ever see. It's uh, and he wound up playing at BC. Mm-hmm. Um, we had I mean every everyone from top to bottom. It was it was one of the most uh, fun teams to play on, and to top it off at the Clark Cup was even better. So you uh, alluded earlier that uh, you ended up playing in Hamilton. So, so Joe, we don't know each other that well, but I get the feeling that you're a pretty confident guy. And I know a lot of times uh, people in Canada, they don't want Americans coming up and taking spots and everything. So now when you found yourself in Hamilton, first of all, how did you end up going to Hamilton? And my second question is, did you get chirped a lot being an American going up there to take a spot on a Canadian team? Um, so how I ended up there, it was, uh, I wasn't the greatest student. (laughs) Um, so, um, I went to a community college up there to just kind of get my grades up, uh, from high school and stuff like that. Try to prove that I could do, uh, you know, the college work. So that's kind of, um, why I went up there. There was also a lot of players that came out of there that went to Maine, um, Spencer Abbott, um, I think it was Josh Soares, a couple other guys that played there. So they, they were confident in me going there. Um, as for getting chirped, um, yeah, there, there's some, but I, I, I mean, that's part of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, there was definitely something I wasn't, you know, scared of or right, right. Uh, that, you know, got discouraged by. Um, you, you, I would say... I didn't even think about that. I was just like, it's part of the game. When you come from the USHL and everyone's getting chirped because you're allowed to fight. It's like a mini, it was a mini NHL. And then going to there was kind of like a, I don't want to say a step down, but um, it definitely prepared me to kind of not be afraid of anything or be discouraged at any situation. How good was the young Zach Hyman? Man. (laughs) He was good, like, <laughs> and and he's such a nice kid too. Like you, you see him now, and it's like he he just did everything right. Like he he and and his father Stu Hyman too. He he was amazing to me. Um, he was the owner of the team. Um, they, they treated me with the utmost respect, and um, but Stu it was great. He was a big body. Um, he was a little bit younger, but. Um, just his work ethic, just like attention to detail, like so smooth. Um, I, yeah, can't, can't say, uh, you know, more about the guy to see where he is in Toronto playing with them. It's like the cool, that's, it's a dream, you know? Well, one of the reasons why I asked about, you know, getting chirped, you know, being American coming up to Canada is I wondered if you got challenged a lot up there because as I look at the statue where uh, you led your team at penalty minutes, you were second in the league behind uh, a person named Mac Whalen who played in Milton. You had 213 penalty minutes of 45 games, but Joe, you averaged almost a goal a game that year. You had 42 goals. You had 76 points in 45 games to go along with those penalty minutes. That's a pretty dominant season. Yeah, I uh, I kind of blame it on no, not blame it, but the USA. I go back to the USHL. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember getting a lot. I got like a lot of tens. Like I remember, like in the USHL, you're allowed to after the whistle. You know, everyone's given a. It's like playoff hockey. Mm-hmm. 
all the whole regular season, I felt like. And then when I went to the played in Hamilton, it was like, all right, I'm giving someone a, like a little jab in the chest and all right, you're got, you know, you're going to the box. Mm-hmm. And then I have a few choice words to the ref and he teased me up. Mm-hmm. So I got, <laughs> I got a lot of those, but, um, cause if you were to fight in that league, you get thrown out of the game. Okay. So I, I was, uh, definitely frustrated going from the USHL and playing in that, um, at that league only because not that it wasn't good. It was just, you know, it was different. I, from the USHL. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of figured it out at the end that, you know, just playing is probably the best thing to do, but yeah, I had a good season. We had a great team. Um, you know, Nathan Pajot was on, um, if Roberto Hyman, like Michael Addy was a great coach. Um, yeah, that was kind of just, uh, yeah, one of those, one of those years, you know, and then, uh, yeah, then went to Maine. I was more, I, I was focused on just getting to Maine and just wanted to be there so bad. So, well, that was my next question. So, you had Maine in your sights. Were there other schools that were interested, or was Maine was Maine your first choice? You were going there. If they wanted you, you were going. Um, I committed to Maine before the Ivana Halinka tournament, oh, or wow, right okay. right right after it. So I went to South Kent, Omaha, and then Hamilton before going to Maine. Wow, but wow. I, yeah. No, I was going to say, I didn't realize you could commit that early. Yeah, I think I was 16. I was a 20-year-old freshman. So I think I committed right when I was 16 or 17. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, um, yeah, I loved it. Being at Maine was some, uh, a team that I've always seen on TV in the Frozen Four. Um, Their jerseys and colors are probably the best in college hockey. Um, And it was, it was a no brainer for me. Um, Being up there, the Alphon, the arena, the fans, Um, Tim Whitehead was, was phenomenal to me. He uh, always let me, you know, he let me play my game where it was was probably the, those are like the best four years of my life um, playing with there. How was the adjustment going from, you know, Hamilton, where you, you said maybe it was a little bit of a step down from the USHL. Now you're going, obviously, you're taking another giant step up now playing. Um, well, they were Hockey East that first year, but going to University of Maine. How'd you find that transition? Um, it was definitely an adjustment, but, you know, you're on the ice every single day. Like, you're in the weight room. Like, you have all the resources to be the best player you can there. Mm-hmm. And um, it took me a little bit, uh, you know, going from like, I think, what would you say, 40 goals to. You went from 42 goals with Hamilton and you went uh, to nine goals with the uh, main first year. Nine, yeah. So I don't think I, I, I didn't score in like my first nine games mm-hmm. at Maine. So it was definitely adjustment, but going into my second year, you, you just get more comfortable. You know, you're not you're not playing as many games as you did with, you know, juniors and and uh, Hamilton. Mm-hmm. But 
you're working on your skills every day. You're, you're in the weight room. You're, you're trying to get better. Um, so it, it was definitely an adjustment, but you know, that's like everything, you know, you go into a new league, new team, new life. You're on your own for the first time in, in your life, um, in a dorm room, like, um, but it, it was, it was an adjustment, but, um, you know, it was just part, it was just part of the ride. <laughs> now, uh, one of the cool things about doing this show is I get to, uh, reconnect with people and I get to connect with people. And one of the guys that I was able to connect with for the first time, and uh, I consider him a friend and I think he's a great guy is a guy that you played four years with at Maine. And that's a former guest of the show, Mike Cornell. So, um, just uh, wax poetic a little bit about playing with uh, with Mike. Uh, you know, I, I've tried to, uh, when I interviewed him, I kind of always say he's a stay-at-home defenseman. He's a hard hitter, really hard hitter, doesn't mind dropping the gloves, and he seems like a really good guy. Uh, what are your memories of playing with Mike? Uh, I think you you said it all right there. Um, the, my memories, he's probably the hardest worker I've, I've ever played with. Um, we were roommates our first year. Um, we were roommates in college. Um the nicest, hardest working, um, person, uh, I know, I would say, um, in the game of hockey, uh, you know, I, I, we were in each other, well, uh, not me, but I was in his wedding party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just, um, you know, we had that connection when you live with someone and, you know, he, he, he was, you know, he's very willing to drop the do whatever it takes to, you know, benefit his team. And I think we, we shared that similarities, um, in, in certain aspects of the game where, you know, um, we just try to, you know, be a good teammate, be tough to play against. But, um, like I said, he, he's probably the, the hardest working hockey player I've seen and everything he's gotten and how far he's been able to play this game at this age um, it's an, it's no doubt that the hard work that he's put in, he's getting out of it. And, um, yeah, one of the, one of the best guys, uh, I can't say it enough. One of the best guys I know out there. And, um, you know, just, he posts a lot of stuff on Instagram with his family and everything. And his son, I think he's going to uh, be a monster. That kid right? is going to be massive. <laughs> right oh man it's it's so fun to see because i i've seen like old pictures of uh of cornsey and his brother and he and he looks just like him it is levi looks oh it's so funny um but yeah it's great to see you know um his wife kelly too she she's amazing um and Leighton too so um they they he he comes from a great family um phenomenal guy can't 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 speak more highly than them. So tell me about your first experience uh, with the border war when you would play uh, New Hampshire when you were a freshman with Maine. Yeah, that was a, that was a, it was just wild. Like the, the, just like the intensity of like the atmosphere. I remember walking up to the Alphonse and the line, just seeing a line of students and fans. It, it was like a, like a an hour people are out there when we're walking out of pregame skate and they're tented out on like the ticket line mm-hmm. i i thought it was wild very intense mm-hmm. um 
I I don't know our record against them, but like it was always there was never once there where there wasn't an intense game that um, we wanted to just like get at each other's throats, mm-hmm. which was great. Um, but yeah, very very intense. Probably one of the better rivals in, in hockey, college hockey. Um, and when you could go into a game hating someone already, mm-hmm. like there's nothing. Uh, especially in the Alphon or the wit. Um, very, 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 uh, very exciting. <laughs> How were the crowds? Did you get, uh, the New Hampshire fan fans on one side, Maine on the other side? Was it just wild uh, in the crowd too? Uh, the, yeah, the fans, the fans make the rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it depends on where you were, uh, the Alphon, you know, there's, Maybe you have the parents that go to mm-hmm. the Alphon from UNH and vice versa. Um, the atmosphere at the WIT is great too. Um, and that's like, that's what college is all about too. You want to, you want to play in those kind of atmospheres and those games and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, one of, yeah, great, great rivalry. Um, yeah, lo- lo- love, loved it. <laughs> Well, you, you were a self-admitted, not a great student when you went to Hamilton, but uh, <laughs> according to my notes, the first year with Maine, you made the Hockey East All-Academic Team, so that's something there, too. Yes. I, well, I had to get that first year in Hamilton of co- junior college. Gotcha. Community college under my belt, so. <laughs> I, but I'm not sure. I'm not too sure if I made that uh, team any any year after that. So <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, but I, I wanted to bring a note to that just because you were a little self-deprecating about your uh, scholastic abilities, but you did make the all academic team as a freshman. So that's something to say about that. I appreciate that. No problem. <laughs> so uh, also I'm, uh, this is going to be a continuing theme just for the record. You were, uh, you led your team in penalty minutes that year. You led Maine and Pims. You were fifth in the conference. When, um, when we jumped to your sophomore year, uh, not only did you lead the team in penalty minutes, you led the entire conference in penalty minutes. So uh, I'm going somewhere with that. So I just wanted to bring that up. Now, when we get to your junior year, this is um, this is, seems like, uh, and when I interviewed Mike, it seems like the, a, a very busy year for you guys. Uh, and for yourself, this was definitely your breakout season. Uh, you know, the, the year, I think you really made your mark there, 37 games, 25 goals, 47 points, uh, 117 penalty minutes. Uh, did everything click that year for you on the ice? Yeah, I felt, uh, I, my junior year, I probably felt the most comfortable. We had a great team. Um, I played on a phenomenal line. I mean, everyone on the team was great. I played with, uh, Spencer Abbott and Brian Flynn. I think Spencer Abbott was the Hobie Baker finalist that year. Um, yeah, and we just clicked. Like we were, I, um, I felt very comfortable about um, just confident. You like the more you play it at, at this league or um, at the school, or you just get used to things. You know how things work. You're just you're adjusting, and that was the year I felt most comfortable with um with every everyone that was around us that year and we had you know great goaltending our offense was there um but um yeah it was that was uh definitely my my breakout year i thought and you were third in points on the team behind your two line mates but 
not only did you lead the team in penalty minutes, you led the conference that year in goals. So I guess those two guys were just setting you up left and right. Yeah, I I like to get into kind of the dirty areas. Mm-hmm. They definitely had more skill than me. Um, I, I like to just go to the front of the net. I think I got a lot of uh, scored a lot of goals within you know five to eight feet of the net, um, and yeah, we just clicked. Like we all knew our role um, with what we're good at. Um, you know, dump the puck in. I'll, I'll go get it. I'll fish it out to you guys. Throw it up to the point. I'll go to the net. Just uh, we were all on the same page. And that, that it was a lot, a lot of fun um, uh, that year. And you were a power play specialist, apparently. I don't know if you know this or if you remember, but you were tied for the national lead in power play goals that year with 11. Yeah. Um, we had a... We had a great, uh, great power play. Uh, I think it was Will O'Neill, Abbott, myself, Flynn, and Matt Mangine. I want to say mm-hmm. um, another Long Island guy. Nice. Um, yeah, it it was just clicking. You know, like when you're on the net front on the power play, you don't. Uh, Shots are getting on goal. So as long as they kept shooting the puck, it was uh, I was able to you know whack in any any kind of loose rebound I was able to. Nice. Um, yeah, it was yeah fun power play. <laughs> so I'm sure in uh, in Maine it gets pretty cold in December, but this year you were fortunate enough to go down uh, to Florida and uh, play in the College Classic, and you actually won that. So was that a tournament that you played in? Yeah, it was just a, a two-game tournament. Um, I think each year was different. I think UMass Amherst was always down there with us. Um, yeah, it was just nice to get out of getting to get to Florida, um, play in that nice weather, and just kind of get a little taste or get away from the cold a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that was always a cool tournament. Um, I loved it. Uh, just being able to get down in the sun, walking out of the rink in your flip flops—it's that's a it's a good feeling. <laughs> now, if if Mike Cornell has one flaw, it's I believe he's a Red Sox fan. So, uh, and you yeah. guys played an outdoor game that year at Fenway Park uh, against uh, UNH. So, uh, I'm sure that was really, and he said it was really special for him. I don't think you're a Red Sox fan, but uh, how cool was that playing the outdoor game at Fenway? Yeah, that was probably – it's funny. I was just talking about it with, uh, I think, some few friends um, a couple of weeks ago that um, – like, I, I'm a sports fan. So, like, playing at Fenway Park, knowing the history there, mm-hmm. we were actually able to have the locker room of the Red Sox. So, uh, I know all the Boston guys that we had on that team, they were all in – one was in Big Poppy's stall, mm-hmm. Pedroia, um, uh was it Papelbon? One of the, one yeah, of the, yeah. all, all yeah. those big dogs, like they, they made sure, but that was probably one of the, the coolest experiences where it was snowing at one point. It was cold. It was just like, uh, and being able to beat UNH in overtime was one of like something obviously I'll never forget, but that was just walking out of the dugout. And then you, you, it, it, it was, it was really, really cool. I, I'm a Yankees fan, but uh, knowing the history, 
of Fenway Park as a sports fan. That was one of the probably top five cooler cooler things that uh, happened in my career. Did you get, I think they say it's uh, behind the green monster or something where they have like this giant wall or room where uh, everybody like that's been in there, that's famous, has signed the wall, autographed it. Did you get to see that? Oh, uh, I'm not, sh- I, I'm not sure. I, I know we were, we were up in like on the green monster, mm-hmm. but I don't think we able, we were actually able to, at least I don't think I did. Right. Um, but yeah, we were. We were we walked around that whole that whole uh, park there. It was, it, it's just the history, and you see movies and stuff like that. And I know the town was in there too, like that movie, yeah. and just being a part of it. And it was uh, something really, really special. And especially when you beat UNH, yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's even better. <laughs> So uh, I know it didn't end up the way you wanted, but obviously the goal when you start your season in the NCAA is to make the tournament. And this year, your junior year, you made the tournament. Uh, and like we say, that was just a really – everything clicked that year for your team. What was that whole experience like being a part of it? Um, it, it was it was wild because, like, main hockey, it's like you're expected to go to the tournament every single year. Mm-hmm. And I think we had, like, a three-year – a three year we didn't make it for like three years i know my freshman year and my sophomore year and our junior year or was it four i think it was three years but the whole school coming together for a pep rally and everything like that it was just like wow like this is i this is why i came here i knew that obviously the alfond and everything too seeing a game there was amazing but that was um Cool. Something like you never like you. you know, like I said, those, those were probably the four best four years of my career. But it was it was it was just wild being, you know, TV, NCAA. Like this is what I grew up watching. This is why I chose Maine because I saw Maine in the tournament every year. So it was kind of surreal at a point. And you closed out the year. You were named to the uh, Hockey East second All Star team, and also the Hockey East All-Tournament team. So this really was one of your best years ever playing and definitely your breakout year in college. So it was uh, fitting that uh, you, you copped those awards too. So um, so now we get to your senior year. Again, you're with Mike Cornell, and there's someone that I brought up to him um, that um, I, I'm familiar with because he's played in the NHL. Another teammate you had uh, was Ryan Lomberg, who uh, I'm assuming that uh, you're an Islanders fan, so... Uh, I don't know. Did you send him a text message right after he fought uh, the monster Ross Johnston? Because yeah. uh, I was like, "Oh man, this guy's got balls." Yeah, and he does. Yeah, uh, and they're steel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I, 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 yeah. Was that a few years ago? Yeah, a couple years ago. Yep. Yeah, I think he was with Calgary. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, I, I messaged him here and there, like um, more. Uh, I won't say like Instagram and stuff like that, but um, seeing how he was uh, that freshman class when we were seniors was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think between Lomberg, Devin Shore, Ben Hutton, they're all in, um, they're all playing in the show. And um, they were just like, like, uh, I know we didn't have the greatest record, but they were like a big ball of energy for us older guys Mm -hmm. um, on the team they did whatever they were asked to do, and they they were a lot of fun. Uh, and, and Lomberg, um, 
he likes to scrap and everything. So we, we, we got along very well at in school and, um, just, uh, I almost like looked at him at my senior year and be like, you, damn, I, I see myself in him a little bit, you know, just as, uh, his knack to, you know, playing tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've already talked about it. anyone that is listening knows you, you speak of your time in college with such pride, being able to being able to play for such a storied institution like Maine playing hockey. But uh, I mean, is, is the pinnacle being named one of the three tri captains in your senior year? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, definitely. Um, especially alongside, you know, Mike Cornell and um, Mark Nemec too. It's, um, it's just, it's just like one of those, you know, feelings. It's like you, you, you see that your whole career, like, growing up seeing Maine and in the tournament every year then we're in the tournament and then the next year you're getting named captain and it just you have a bigger responsibility um and I took that with pride and um it's yeah very very um surreal uh moment there um anyone that's listening to this that's that's on Long Island you remember uh everyone remembers uh Superstorm Sandy now were you up at school when that happened and um did you have to come home uh, wh- what was uh, your situation with that yeah I, I was up at school the whole time um it was mid season mm-hmm. uh, we just started the season i think it happened like halloween 2012 or something like that yeah mm-hmm. and um yeah my uh long beach got hit pretty pretty good yeah. um I know a lot of friends who lost a, um, a lot of houses, and um, I, I think my my house we had a gut the basement and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I just remember being like, "Oh wow!" It's I think one of my buddies actually he he had a air mattress and he was floating around his living room <laughs> on the air mattress, and I was like, "Wow!" Like that's when I knew it was really like, "Holy!" Like yeah. this ain't good. this is not good. So. Right. Um, but yeah, I was up at school. Okay. Um, so where I said I was going with this is uh, people know that uh, there's not a ton of fighting in college, but um, once again, as a senior, uh, you led your team in penalty minutes. You led Hockey East in penalty minutes. Um, do, do you wear kind of a, a badge of honor that you left school and you are still the all-time leader in penalty minutes for the University of Maine with 467 penalty minutes, 135 games? Um, I guess so now, now, like, at least I'm on like a a record or something, (laughs) (laughs) but I remember walking in, um, I got there the year before, um, the summer going into my freshman year, I got up there that summer earlier and I'm, and, uh, Whitehead's, you know, I'm, I'm in the, the Alphon and coach Whitehead's there and he brings me into like the, the training room and who's sitting there is Preston Ryan. And Preston Ryan is the at that time the all time leader penalty minutes, and Whitehead's talking to Preston and me, and he was like, Whitehead going to Preston Ryan saying he's like, oh he's he's fiery just like you. He's like, he he has your knack. He, he like it's all good stuff. And then sure enough, four years later, um, I hold I took his uh, I took his seat. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess. Uh, a badge honor now, mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh, well, I, and I think part of that is you're not you're not holding a team record for anything unless you you played a lot of games, and you know your style of play 
It's a very physical style. It could also lead to some injuries, but you know, you were pretty durable those four years. So that, that also says a lot that you were able to play your game and still be durable and end up uh, holding the team record. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my body's, I feel like it's, it's, I'm feeling it these days, Yeah, but, um, yeah, we're holding up. Like, yeah. <laughs> played. A, we're still breathing. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, all good. I mean, I everything's good now. So I got you. Um, yeah, just some old bruises. <laughs> <laughs> so your college college season ends. Your college career ends, and now you find yourself um, playing for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. How did that uh, come to be? Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. It was, um, I got talking to my agent. There's a couple of teams that are, you know, interested, bringing in for a tryout. And Bob Corcoran, who played at Maine, mm-hmm. who he was the assistant, I think, for a little bit with um, with the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um he brings me in. He's like, "Hey, like they they, they want you. Like, uh, think it would be a good fit." And it was a no-brainer for me at that time. I was like, "Wow, like the Islanders really like want me." I was like, <laughs> "Like want me to to try out." And I I just remember being so nervous flying down there. Flied right into JFK mm-hmm. and JFK to uh, up to Bridgeport. And uh, I walk into the locker room, and who's there? This was at the time when Rick DiPietro got mm-hmm. uh, sent down. Um, and he couldn't have been in, like, a nicer person. My stall was right next to his. Yeah. Um, he was so cool to me. Mm-hmm. Like, and obviously knowing him for the, what was it? Jeez, like, he was drafted 2000. I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, 13 years at that point, yeah. and... Now he's sitting, I'm sitting next to him in the locker room. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if Scott Pellerin had anything to do with it because he's a, a main alum and he was the head coach then. I didn't know if he had anything to do with it. Yeah, I think I think he actually watched me play from what I heard because um, he's from New Hampshire. He was a coach. He was coaching with Manchester Monarchs. So mm-hmm. I think one weekend we were playing UNH at UNH mm-hmm. and – I think that I think he was telling me he was like, yeah, I came and watched you play at UNH mm-hmm. um, my senior year, and yeah, I think he had a a, a pretty big uh, influence on you know me going there. So uh, one of the things I always like to do, and I you know when I ask you about Mike Cornell, um, I, I always ask guys about te- guys they played with, uh, sort of a word association thing, but obviously not limited to one word. I want to ask you about some of your teammates. And as you might imagine, it's not the scorers I'm interested in. I want to know what your impressions are. Uh, first guy I'll give you is Nate McIver. Oh, he was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, tough as nails. Um, my, like, I, that's why I love the game of hockey. I, I think my one of my first fight was against, I think, Doherty and San Jose, not San Jose, Worcester. And I think he's 6'7", and I'm five. <laughs> and I came down and I buried him mm-hmm. uh, in the corner, and then he kind of jumped me. It was a pretty de- decent fight. Nothing that I was like too uh, 
too scared about, but then Nate comes right on the ice and he and I'm in the box. Mm-hmm. He gives me, you know, a little stick tap on the shin and then goes over to their box and says, we're going. Yeah. And I thought that was mm-hmm. from there on. I was like, amazing guy. Um, Tough. <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Cause I've heard McIver and McIver. Do you want to set me straight? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, yeah, I'll just call him MacGyver for for now, and then hopefully yeah. I get him on the show and he could set me straight. Then, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, next, um, guy I want to ask you about uh, he he could arguably be the toughest guy that you've ever played with, still playing today, Brett Gallant. Oh, uh, I. <laughs> they're cousins too, believe it or not. Oh, is uh, that right? Yeah, okay. I believe so. Okay. I'm pretty sure they were cousins, but um, man, I've never seen. Like someone's just so tough that could eat it mm-hmm. and still give it. And when he gave it, he, I don't know if you ever see there's a, there's a preseason game where he fought in Jersey three times. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm on the bench in one of those, uh, one of the, the third fight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I couldn't believe like it. It's the, probably the, the toughest guy. Yeah. Like, hands down pound for pound like wild wildly Mm -hmm. like almost scary a little bit so i I would think for someone like you that came from college you know you you played you know ushl you played all this but now you're you're really a college kid coming in now you're you're in the pros you i imagine at that point you you have not seen anyone at that level of someone that could just really just put a hole through someone's face if he really wanted to yeah, no, like his technique and everything. And I never knew like the, how, like, uh, the technique that they have for, um, the fighting wise who I like, I was just like more fighting in fear most mm-hmm. times or, but, um, uh, a friend of mine, Aaron Asham, I'm sure, you know, Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. um, he lives in point lookout. So yep. we, we'd skate in the summer and stuff like that. And, um, I remember going into that year, I was just like, hey, uh, can you, like, teach me a few things? Like, <laughs> grabbing on? And he was like, all right, well, let's go. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, he does this for yeah. a lit. Like, he he's on another level. Yeah. Um, and the respect that you, give, you have to give to those guys, and it's 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 not an easy job, but it's definitely – it's a skill, too. Mm-hmm. And um, utmost respect for the, them those kind of guys, you know, yeah. uh, um, next name on our is a former guest, Blair Riley. Tough and funny. Yeah. <laughs> funny. Like so tough. Like yeah. I, I, I remember that coming in that year, like, cause I, I, we didn't make the playoffs. So mm-hmm. it was just like a, like a one month stint mm-hmm. and Gallant didn't, uh, he was injured that year. Mm-hmm. Um, or when I got there, mm-hmm. but Riley fought every, every, like, they were like everyone was willing, yeah, and everyone was tough, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Mm-hmm. Like, um, tough and and funny. He 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 was funny, but tough as nails. Yeah. Um, last guy I want to ask you about Brandon DeFazio. Uh, beauty. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I only played with him that that one little stint there, mm-hmm. but um. He, he great guy. Like I, I, there, there's not many guys that I could, I can say that while I was with Bridgeport, that was like a, a, 
there's no one like but he he was a beauty like just uh like yeah hard working guy that was that was tough willing went to the net and and a lot of fun to be around um march 23rd 2013 that was your first professional game uh that you uh suited up for the sound tigers at home against springfield so you've been on a big stage before in maine in terms of just the level there and uh obviously bridgeport they don't draw like maine does but it, you're now a professional. So what yeah. was what was that like? I mean, you played in you played for bigger crowds, but now you're a professional, and now you're playing against men. You know, guys like Brett Gallant. Really, I mean, you're playing against grown men now. Uh, what was that whole experience like? That first game, um, just nerves. But then once you get once you get going, first couple of shifts, like you make a a good first pass or you know, chip a puck in, keep your shift shorts. I, I had nerves mm-hmm. and I remember I, I did like, and I'm trying to like hit people, mm-hmm. like trying to, um, I forget who the captain was. Um, he, he, I think he's coaching with, uh, Vegas or did coach with Vegas or one of the assistant coaches. Anyway, he was the captain of the team. Uh, I, I know his face. Jesus, I can't remember his name. Anyway, I, 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 I go to make, make a hip check on him. And the next shift I come out and I line up. He's like, hey, buddy, I know it's your first game, but don't you ever, like, go after my knees again. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, kind of scared. I was like, holy shit. I'm like, I wasn't trying to take your knees out. He's like, it's all good. All good. Play hard. And I'm like, all right. Like, just like that, like, respect, I was like, well, this is, this is, a, it's a different game. And, but I, I would say just nerves. I had nerves. I uh, had family coming up, driving up and everything. And it was just, um, just one of those really, really cool feelings. Like, wow. Like, now, like it's, 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 it's different. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to see. I mean, when you first said the captain, I mean, this is, this predates you, the, the, Springfield captain that I would think would be the sandpaper guy. And like I said, I don't think he was there at this point. There's a guy named Rob Murray. I don't think he was still there. With no. Him. Yeah. No, okay. it wasn't him. Okay. Uh, I know his name. Uh, uh, you know, when you were, once we hang up, you'll remember, I'm sure. That's yeah, how exactly. it always goes. Right. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Taylor Doherty. That was actually your second fight. Your first fight was against a guy named Brandon Manning of the Adirondack Phantoms. Right. Do you remember that right. one? Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Um, I was just, uh, just, I think it was one of my, like my third games or something, or second, whatever it was. Um, yeah, it was, it was. I think it was just in front and giving it to me. I gave it back to him, and then I, I, I just knew I had to do something to show, uh, show my character a little bit. And yeah, it was, I think it was relatively quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I remember some of the guys being like, damn, he's like a tough kid. What are you thinking? <laughs> and I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I just want to point out to people. So you mentioned the Taylor Doherty fight. So yes, he is six, seven. He's a full foot taller than you. Okay. Uh, you kind of, you boarded him pretty good to, to start that fight. I don't know if you remember that. I saw it on the video. I was like, that's a pretty good board you got there. And then it pissed him off. Yeah. It pissed him off. Yeah. I was just, yeah, I was just trying to, you know, 
make it hard for the D to play. And yeah, I got him pretty good. I, I wound up slipping on my stick in that fight too. It was probably a good thing, but, (laughs) Um, but yeah, definitely fun. You know what else happened that night, right? Uh, I scored my first goal. First professional goal. Absolutely. So tell me about it. Yeah. um, I'm playing with Ryan Strom and Brock Nelson and Stromer came in. I think it was his first game. Mm-hmm. um playing and he just sees the ice so well mm-hmm. um i'm just in front of the net i think i take a spill in the corner somehow nelly makes a play to strom or does something and uh, i'm in front of the net and all of a sudden the puck's on my stick and i just kind of deflect it in a little bit and that was uh that was my first one when you are playing with a guy like Brock Nelson, even though that he's very young at that point, um, can you kind of tell when a guy is just, you know, destined to, to, yeah. you know, have the trajectory that he has? Like, can you tell at that point, like, yeah, this guy's not going to be here long. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There, yeah. He, just the way he skated, I actually played against him when he was at North Dakota. We were at Maine. Okay. Uh, North Dakota came to Maine. And uh, I think I was at one of the development camps with him, too. So I kind of knew him um, just playing against each other. But he – you just saw, like, his confidence with the puck, his his stride. He looks like like he's the same thing that he's doing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, He – and he's a great guy, too. Um, He – yeah, Minnesota kid, right? Mm -hmm. And – yeah, he just had that knack. Like, he just has it. You know, guy, like, you see, like, Stromer had it. He had it. Anders had it. Like, yeah. you just see these guys, like, you know that they're doing what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. But that was eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably the biggest name you fought that year was uh, Chris Newberry, who was with Connecticut right. at the time. Uh, he's no slouch. Uh, now, when you come in, do you, are you aware of the guys in the league? Are you looking at the stats before the game? Um, oh. Were you aware of his resume at that time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I, I I look on the stat sheet because I think like a two weeks before the Rangers are playing and he's in the garden. Mm-hmm. I was watching the Ranger game and he got into a fight. I was like, oh, shit, this guy's kind of not the biggest guy, but yeah. he's really, really like he could. He could throw him. Yeah. So I walk into the locker room, I, and I've said the story before. It was like, I look at him, I'm like, oh, Chris Newberry? I'm like, okay, good. I'm staying away from him. <laughs> like, and sure enough, uh, that didn't go as planned. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I remember just like, I think what happened, I, I was doing something to McGrath. Remember McGrath? McElrath? McElrath, yeah. Oh, so you, you always go after the small guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was doing something to him and like in front of the net and he wasn't going to fight me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next shift, Newberry just comes and starts, you know, giving me a little cross checks here and there. There's actually like a good picture sequence of it, um, of how it led to it. But um, yeah, I just kind of fought in fear there. Uh, (laughs) So because of the proximity uh, from Long Island to Bridgeport, did you always have a lot of family up there for the home games? Was that really cool? Because it was so convenient family and friends. 
Oh, they loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah, that it, it was absolutely. It was um Yeah, it was great. Whenever you yeah. could have family, I mean my my mom and dad and a lot of family they always made that trek up to to Orno. I think it's like eight hours from Long Beach, mm-hmm. but um, they always they they always supported me and and family. Um, now that it was only two hours away, mm-hmm. um, it was a lot a lot easier. But yeah, after, yeah, they came to every game. After doing the trip to Maine, two hours they could do in their sleep. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was a no brainer for them. They could even yeah. take the ferry over from yeah. Fort Jeff. <laughs> so you. You, you finish the year with Bridgeport, and now, honestly, you find yourself, you're you're living the dream. You you get a dream that so few Long Island kids get, and that you sign an entry-level deal with the Islanders. I mean, what was that day like? I mean, I know it's just putting your signature on a piece of paper, but, I mean, it had to be kind of overwhelming that this is a team you grew up watching and that you're signing a contract with the big club. Yeah, it was it – was... It was weird, like in a way, because I think I held out a little bit. <laughs> and I, they were like, What are you doing? Like, why? I think it was like Eric Collins was like, Yo, come here. What are you doing? Like, sign this contract. And I was like, What are you? Oh, I don't know. Like, agent and this and that. And, and then, like, I think I waited like two hours. I was like, Yeah, all right, I'll sign it tomorrow. <laughs> um, but I like that. That was the, it was so cool. Like, I had Eric Collins. Yeah. Um, like, like I looked, obviously looked up to him. Like I'm in awe on everyone in yeah. that like locker room, like seeing Eric Carnes yeah. against Toronto yeah. in game six. It's mm-hmm. like, or, um, after Bates scores that goal, yep. it's like, Oh my God. Like that's probably one of the cooler moments that I remember watching Islanders hockey yep. where that, that series. Um, so, um, it, it, it's a weird, weird feeling mm-hmm. like, uh, and I don't think I knew how to handle it mm-hmm. necessarily right away. I mean, I just like bulked up and was like, all right, I'm going to make the team. I'm not making the team. Like we had a uh, summer development camp. It was just, um, being around, like, uh, I always dreamed of putting on the Islander Jersey. So it was like very, very, uh, a, a weird but amazing feeling for my family and and everything but signing that contract like in the coach's room that day and it was just like okay like you're a part of it but the the cool thing about that is i'm i'm very like i i could say shy at points so i signed the contract and I got there early and Rick DiPietro's in the locker room stretching and he has some crazy routines that he does, which is really cool just to see. Mm -hmm. Um, and I walk in and I'm like all like smile, like giddy, I guess like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, like what just happened? And now I'm stretching with Rick DiPietro in the room. And I think one of the equipment managers, Lenny, um, Lenny comes in and he's like, he's like, Oh man. And congrats. Like, and I'm like, Oh, thanks. Thanks. And I'm sitting there stretching with Rick for 10 minutes now. And I didn't say a word about it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you just fucking signed. <laughs> like he couldn't have been so, he was so excited for me, yeah. um, which was really cool. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, thanks man. Like just like <laughs> shy and like mm-hmm. awkward. Like, um, but that, that was a, a very, very cool experience. Something I'll obviously never forget. And, you know, 
Ricky DiPietro being right there too was uh, was really cool. You know, one of the the really cool things is I've known Eric Cairns since he was a rookie with the Rangers. Him, him and I go way back. And as you're telling that story, I'm picturing him looking down at you because you said you look up to him. We all do, literally. And uh, looking down at you going, what are you doing? I just picture him saying that yeah. to you. And I'm laughing on the inside because I could just yeah. picture the look on his face. Yeah, and I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I, I've never done this before. Like, I'm being advised, you know, and, you know, there's some other teams in the mix, I think I said. And, like, I was like, okay. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, all right, I'll sign. <laughs> Pretty much. But, yeah, he, he was great. He treated yeah. me so well. And um, I, I, I can't speak in more highly about that organization. So you took part in that summer camp and then eventually you find your way in Islanders training camp. So again, we, you know, we've talked about it a few times where you, you, this is the team you grew up watching and now you're in the same locker room with guys you watched on TV the season before and guys you played with like Rick DiPietro uh, that you played with in Bridgeport Um, as a Long Island kid walking into that locker room what is that experience like we're not sharing a locker room with guys who you watch play the year before? Yeah, it, it, it was kind of wild. Well, I, I, I was able to go to the development camp after mm-hmm. my freshman year okay. at Maine. Okay. So I was kind of familiar and obviously being, I, I used to go to games, Derek King, Brian mm-hmm. Mullen, they would all take us back into the locker room. Yeah. Um, so I, I was very familiar with the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. but being in the locker room, I know they changed it up throughout the years, mm-hmm. but um, just like you walk in, you got, you got, you got breakfast there. You got, you know, you got lunch after practice. And then it's like, all right, you go do whatever you want. You're done at 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, so there's like nothing, nothing else to do. I got no schoolwork. I got no, <laughs> Yeah, not that I was the best at doing the schoolwork, but <laughs> I, I, I had to finagle how to, how to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was really cool. Um, one of the cooler things um, for me, I, I was able to play in my first exhibition game. Mm-hmm. And this was really cool. Um, was I, it was in Jersey. Mm-hmm. So it was at the Prudential Center. Yep. And we take the bus there and I'm like, oh my God, I'm playing in my, like, First, like an NHL game, yeah. an exhibition, and walk into the locker room, and my name's on an New York Islander jersey. Mm-hmm. Like game, I was like, "Holy shit!" Mm-hmm. And uh, who who am I sitting next to? Is Kyle Acaposo and Josh Bailey. Oh. So I, I, so I'm sitting there, and I, I got to know Josh throughout the um, throughout the development camps. Those years, he'd come on the ice. He's he's my age, but mm-hmm. he was. He was that young kid, yeah. you know, that played right from right from juniors, mm-hmm. um, and just so cool, like to me, like. Mm-hmm. And when you when you're in those like situations, uh, my nerd, he's probably already has like 200 games at that point. Yeah, uh, um, I'm just like so nervous, and I'm looking at the lineup, like Marty Brodeur's in the lineup, yeah, uh, and just being able to sit there and shoot the shit and be in that like that new atmosphere and just the, my name on an Islanders Jersey was like, I was like, I could be done right now. I mean, I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was really, really cool. And especially seeing, you know, what Josh is doing now. Um, and the playoffs, especially last night was sick. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. Just really, really cool. Very, very, uh, 
um, very thankful for those like little moments. Did you get to keep the Jersey? Do you have the Jersey in your house? No, no, I didn't. Uh, that was, the, I wore it, uh, one more time. We went up to on Ottawa or, uh, we played in some junior, uh, junior, uh, rank mm-hmm. and Regina, I think it was. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I, I have my Bridgeport one. Okay. Um, not the Isles though, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. was an it was an amazing, amazing feeling. You know, the whole process with the the hopping on the hopping on the plane with all the guys going to dinner, just mm-hmm. the lifestyle was really, really cool. And again, you know, like I say, now you're a pro and you played those games with Bridgeport the year before, but now you're stepping on the ice at the Prudential Center, NHL rink, NHL arena. Do you have to kind of take a deep breath and take it all in? I know, I know. You said once the game starts, it's hockey, but prior to the game. And I think that's where a lot of times athletes get it in there, you know, get inside their head is before the game, but now you're stepping onto the ice for warm up. That had to just be amazing. It was, it was wild. I, um, it was amazing. I, I, I don't remember. I remember warm ups and being like, okay, warm ups like you get going. But then I remember like my first shift, I think I lined up against, um, well, I, it was in the offensive zone. So I'm, I'm lining up for the face off and the inside dot. And, Marty Brodeur's in net. <laughs> and that's when I'm like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, where am I right now? <laughs> like, yeah. and, and that's kind of, um, I just, that was my like, holy shit moment. Yeah. And then, um, <clears throat> I think Eric Bolton was on the ice too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just so, and then you, and then you start playing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Then you then you're just going. Uh, obviously, I felt more confident as the game went on, but and then you see Gallant fighting Barch yeah. for three times. Yeah. And but it, it was it was uh, crazy crazy feeling like you know family in the stands. Yeah. Um, it was just one of those uh, wild wild feelings. <laughs> now. Galley wasn't the only one to have fights that night. You ended up fighting Steven Gianta. Now, as I watched the replay, it kind of looked like nothing was going to happen. You guys came together. Nothing was going to happen. And then next thing you know, Gianta throws a quick shot in there. So you kind of yeah. got you riled up, and then you had to put him down. Yeah. So I, I just saw him. Uh, I needed to do something. Actually, Mike Cornell tells the story pretty well Okay. because uh, he watched it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Capuano throws us out on the um, – there's an empty net and I was like, shit, I got to do something mm-hmm. like either score an empty net goal or fight in a way. Mm-hmm. And the way Cornsey tells the story is way better than me. Okay. But how I went was, uh, Gianna pockets goes from corner to corner and Gianta, I, how I remember it was he came in so hot mm-hmm. and like tried to run in one of, uh, one of the demon. I actually think it was Pulak. And, um, that was my, my, um, my green light that mm-hmm. I'm going to do something. I think I got like a spearing penalty. Yeah. I gave him a spear and then he, he threw one and I'm like, I'm talk- thinking I'm just going to like, you know, kind of control this, like yeah. throw a couple of jabs and, you know, but then he threw one and it's like, all right, well now we're, now I'm, now I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, that was, uh. I had to do. I had to get on the score sheet somehow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got. They got to notice you. No matter how they notice you, it doesn't matter. 
Right. So. Exactly. Exactly. So unfortunately you did not make the Islanders that year, uh, but you did end up playing a, a decent amount of games with the sound tiger. So uh, just like we did with the previous season, I want to throw out a couple of names that you get your opinion. Now, Brett Gallant is back. And now this year he's got a tag team partner. Maybe the toughest duo in the league that year was Brett Gallant and Justin Johnson. What do you remember mm-hmm. about JJ? Oh, JJ was awesome. He was like probably one of the nicest guys on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just there was one, I think there was a few games where I was on, it was us three on a line. Mm-hmm. And I remember JJ coming up to me. He's like, Hey Joey, you can do whatever you want out there. <laughs> and I like, at first I didn't know what it meant. And then I'm like, Oh wait, no one, I'm, I'm going to be in it. I'm going to be a rat right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so it was really, 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 uh, really fun just being on the team. His personality is so big. Um, he, all the guys in the, in the room, love him. You, you know, you, you almost, you can't, I mean, hockey's such a, I, I, I was lucky enough that, uh, you know, I, I played with so many great people. Um, and JJ is someone you will never forget if you're in uh, the locker room with him for sure. <laughs> uh, Chris Bruton. Ooh, Chris Bruton, fun guy. Uh, he was down in Long, uh, not Long Beach, uh, Long Island, uh, during the summers, and we worked out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Such a big personality, happiest guy you'll know, and willing to you know do anything for for anyone at any time. Um, Andre Padan. Ah, oh, funny Padan. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, just another uh, another. Uh, Another great guy, you know, Russian. He has, you know, he he liked my little New York accent. So <laughs> we, we, we were, I think we were uh, bus. Uh, we shared the same seat on the bus a, a bunch mm-hmm. um, as being rookies together, but very fun and tough. Yeah. Very tough. Very skilled. Uh, were you there when uh, I, he only played a few games? Uh, Matthew Gagnon, he was there. Did you play with him? Yeah, I played with him. He, he's tough as nails too. Yeah, um, he, like kind of like crazy strength. Mm-hmm. Like um, I played with him in Stockton when I got sent down. I got sent down to Stockton from Bridgeport to Stockton. He mm-hmm. was there, mm-hmm. and then I came back to Bridgeport, and he was there too. Um, tough, mm-hmm. I, yeah. Um, and I don't know. And he uh, next guy played even less games than uh, Gagnon. But uh, were you there when uh, Mike Dalhusen was there? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. Uh, we were, we went, I'm pretty sure we were my f- right after Maine. He came from Quinnipiac. I went yeah. to, came from Maine. We were there together for that. Mm-hmm. He's a beast. He's yeah. four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Did he, did um, Quinnipiac and Maine play each other or no? Uh, we did my senior year, I think early, early on. I didn't like remember him too much, like, right. or like now that I look back, I remember him, but I didn't remember like um, hard shot yeah. beast. Like don't want to be in the corner with him. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, one of the more interesting Instagram accounts to follow too. If you follow him on Instagram, you yeah. never know what he's going to post. <laughs> um, last guy, Scooter Vaughn. Beauty. Yeah. Absolute beauty. Mm-hmm. What a nice California kit. Like so cool. Chill. And fun, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, and tough as nails too. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I forgot where, 
this is what we're talking about. But everyone is, <laughs> everyone's, yeah. everyone's, Scooter was a lot, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, um, as far as fights that year, there were three that jumped out at me. So I'm wondering if anything, if there's a good backstory or anything you remember stands out. Uh, the first one was a JT Brown of Syracuse. Uh, next one I want to ask you about was uh, Chad uh, Painshowed or of Norfolk and uh, Connor Allen of Hartford. Anything about those jog your memory? Uh, I remember just like uh, the TJ one was just kind of like a, something quick, just needed to, uh, I think I was in during that season, I wasn't, you know, putting up too many points. So I had to do something mm-hmm. as for, was it Pinchow? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he, he laid someone out before that. So just sticking up for, I think it was Mike, Mike Keenan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Connor Allen, I played against him at UMass, so there was like a little a rival there. Oh, okay. That, um, I had a settle. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's kind of okay that there. And uh, that year, you played eleven games in Stockton, uh, nine points in in eleven games. Uh, one guy you played with down there that's very tough is Garrett Hunt. Uh, you remember playing with him? Yeah, yeah. He, man, I, 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 I as and he's not the biggest guy, yeah. but he—it's uh, a tough job. Yeah. He went. He fought every heavyweight there was, and um, I—I I, I don't know how how he did it, but he—he—he's just tough, and and he's a great guy, team guy, mm-hmm. um, but super super willing and tough, and I don't know how he slept that night sometimes, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, great guy. Uh, how did you end up signing with Hershey? Um, so <clears throat> just kind of go agent talking to teams. Yeah. Um, I grew up playing at Hershey or like the Hershey bears, uh, hockey tournaments growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I played in that arena. I liked the fit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's kind of, it was as simple as that really just, yeah. all right, Hershey wants to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, <laughs> I could play there. I could try to play there. <laughs> was it still the Hershey Park Arena when you were there, or they switched to the Giants? No, nah, the, the Giants Center. Oh, okay. yeah. But we, I practiced in uh, the the arena a few times. Gotcha. Now, did was, you, did um, you get to go to training camp with the Capitals, or you just went training camp with Hershey? Uh, no, I went with the Capitals. How um, was that? That was wild too. Oh my God, I have a good story there. Oh, please um, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you go into training camp and you get your physicals done the first day and I walk in and trying to be early, you know, just get a good stretch in all the guys are there. Brooks Orpik, he's rolling out. You see back and I'm like, all right, I'm not gonna like, I'm pretty shy at the, Hey, what's up guy? You know? Um, and I'm like, all right, let me just go on the bike and who's on the bike is Ovi. Oh. And there's like, there's like, I think like five bikes and he's in the middle mm-hmm. and I didn't want to like go right next to him and mm-hmm. hop on the bike because <laughs> he was the only one on. Um, so I just hop on like one of the bikes, a couple down, um, from him and I, I'm riding, just riding the bike and I'm like, holy shit, this guy's a lot bigger than <laughs> he looks on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we have like a scrimmage, like red and white scrimmage, um, Oh, and by the way, Barry Trotz was, uh, yep. mm-hmm. he was, that was, that was his first year there. Okay. So, um, so I'm waiting online at, uh, 
to get the physical, one of the tests, the eye test or something like that. And he comes right in and he's like, oh, how you doing? I'm Barry. You must be Joey Diamond. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, holy shit. He knows who I am. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, yeah. And he starts talking about like the Long Island medium. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had no idea who she was at the time. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, who's that? He's like, yeah, like the Long Island medium. And I'm like, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just. <laughs> um, but that, that was cool. Um, and then we go into, so we have a red and blue scrim, uh, red and white scrimmage. And you're looking at all the names on the scrimmage. And I'm on the red team and it's, or the white team. Who's on, and I look and see my name. Who else is on this name? It's Backstrom, Ovechkin, Brooks Light, Joe Ward. Like, just Orpic. And I'm like, holy shit, here we go. Like, yeah, I'm fired up now. Mm-hmm. So I was one of – so we get on the ice, warming up, and have the scrimmage. And obviously, coach is like, Ovi, Backstrom, all the top guys start going. And I'm like, damn, I'm at the bottom of the list. I'm on, like, the fourth line. And, but there's only, I think there's only 10 forwards, mm-hmm. I want to say. And so I'm up, I'm like, all right, he's going to call me. Um, and he's like, okay, Diamond, Ovi, and Bax. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I know what my job is. Just get the puck to Ovi. Ovi. Yeah. That's it. That's all mm-hmm. I was thinking about. If I touch the puck. I'm getting it to Ovi. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure enough, I didn't touch the puck once on the fifth end. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was just cool being out there with him. And and then and, um, after the um, after the scrimmage, everyone starts, you know, taking one-timers and everything. And I caught, for the first time, I caught myself being a fan. Yeah. Watching Ovi take one-timers. Mm-hmm. In that slot mm-hmm. on the power, like he went, he had to go like 20 for 20, like Jeez. top shelf. Like mm-hmm. it was, I was like, I had to get up yeah. and leave. Cause I was just like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> and he's so big. Yeah. Like he was so big. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, yeah, that was my cool, uh, my cool, um, OV story. Yeah. <laughs> Not amazing. Um, that, I mean, you skated yeah. with the guy. Like, how many people can say that? Like, they actually skated yeah. with him. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, it was funny. Now, um, um, oh, I didn't know. Did I interrupt you? No, no, no. Okay. Um, so that year, you played in South Carolina, only played 11 games. Did you get hurt? Did you have injuries yeah. that year? Yeah, I had. Uh, I hurt my neck. Okay. Um, I have stenosis in my neck, so thinning of the nerve. So it was kind of scary. Uh, when I was down there, I like a whiplash hit oh, in shit. one of the games. Yeah. And I pinched the nerve and, um, I go to the doctor and the doctor's like, um, he's, I got the MRI and everything. He's like, yeah, your, your career is done. You're not playing anymore. And I'm like, what? Uh, I kind of told him to fuck off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you know? <laughs> You're only a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what that diploma says. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that, that was uh, another like moment in my life that I remember very vividly. Um, I was just so upset. Um, I wound up coming up to New York, getting a second opinion um, from, uh, I think it was like the Jets or Giants guy mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, 
yeah, he was like, no, you, you don't have to, you're not done. Mm-hmm. Just do some rehab for four months, you know, stay in shape and, uh, you know, just, you got to do these exercises, mm-hmm. wind up doing that, wind up feeling great. Um, I wasn't cleared to play the rest of, uh, the rest of the playoffs, which I was fine with is mm-hmm. now that I thought, look back, I'm like, thank God I didn't cause playoffs is another breed at yeah. that point. Um, especially down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, and I love South Carolina. It's probably the best place to be injured all year. To, <laughs> to be honest. I bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing I wasn't able to golf. So, oh. uh, I, I would have <laughs> loved that, but, um, definitely, uh, one of my favorite cities, uh, I've played in, uh, two guys I want to ask you about, uh, Marcus Perrier and Tim Spencer. Um, amazing amazing guys mm-hmm. um marcus is he you know kind of quiet but mm-hmm. once you open him up a bit he he's a lot of fun to be around and tough as nails mm-hmm. like he, he we we had a really great team that year um the camaraderie we had with that team was amazing um tim spencer he's a beauty i think he just had he was having a baby that year um uh, we were in Washington camps together and we had a fun night out one time. I think we went to the nationals game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, great, great, two great guys, tough nails. Um, I know every guy you're bringing up, I, I, I can't speak highly yeah. enough, but um, yeah, two great guys, a lot of, a lot of fun too. Joe, I only talk about character guys. I mean, that's the, that's the nature of the role when you play physical like yourself, all these guys are character guys and uh, blue collar guys, so I'm not surprised that uh, you have such nice things to say about them. That's part of the deal. I I, uh, I try to disassociate myself with uh, chumps, and all these guys I'm bringing up are all work class people, so uh, so no surprise there. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So uh, the fact that you're telling me about the serious injury that you had makes the your last two seasons even more impressive because just looking at your numbers, that first year with Manchester, 49 points in 56 games. Coming back from a serious injury like that, I mean that's that's amazing. I'm glad you didn't listen to that first doctor. Yeah, um, I was just so happy to be um, have an opportunity to play somewhere, mm-hmm. um, and especially in Manchester, they just won the um, the Calder Cup. Was it the Kelly Cup down there? The, no, Calder oh, no, is the AHL. Uh, the AHL, yeah. So they went to. The year they won, they went out to um, that next year. The Manchester Monarchs switched with the Ontario Reign. Okay, okay. Um, so the Manchester Monarchs, who won the Calder, went out to California, and the Ontario ECHL came to Manchester. Okay. Um, so I was just really excited to be playing. I haven't played in. It almost, it felt like a year at that mm-hmm. point. Um, I was just excited. Great guys on the team. Um, just to be happy to be playing again and just excited about the game. I knew I could play. Uh, and that was a great, great, um, great year. Great coaches, great teammates. Um, just happy to be playing again. And the Josh Brown, that was your teammate there. That's the big dude that ended up playing with Florida. Yeah, it was my roommate. Oh, yeah. Good <laughs> yeah. guy. Big boy Brown. That's what I called him. <laughs> yeah. Great guy. So nice. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he's young, happy, willing, such a cool guy. Um, and so happy to see what he's doing, uh, with Florida and then, and then Ottawa. Um, he, yeah, a lot fun, fun guy to be around. Um, I think the guy who led your team in PIMS might've been, uh, Danik Paquette. Yeah. (laughs) Tough guy. Yeah. Tough. Very tough. Um, funny too. Yeah. Funny too. Um, plays on the edge and, uh, Fun to be around in the locker room for sure. <laughs> uh, last guy I want to ask you about, fellow New Yorker. You know who it is, Anthony Pisano. Pisano? Yeah. Did you or play Pizzetto. with him? What's that? No, it, Anthony Pisano. Didn't he play there? Oh, Anthony Pisano. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. That's yeah, he, I mean. from upstate New York. Yeah, New York. Yeah, I mean, he. Yeah, but yeah. see, the thing is, he's listed as New York, New York. That's what confuses me. Oh, okay. Yeah, he um yeah, play he I he had what probably like how many games did he play? Nine games and twenty six no, penalty minutes. Yeah, he yeah, he fought every game. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was great. No, he was a good guy too. Mm-hmm. Uh huge body. Yeah. Like big guy. Um he was uh yeah, a lot of fun uh to be around, just a locker room guy. Um very, very um very willing to do whatever he had to do for the team, whether it was on or off the ice. He he, uh, he played in St. Charles for a year, and uh, Jamie Rivers was his coach. So when I had Rivers on the show, I asked him about him. And um, just so people know, if you're not familiar with him, his hockey DB has him at 6'6", 253. So to call him big is an understatement. Yeah, that's, that's accurate, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um so how was it this year playing? You come back from that injury. You put up all those points. 76 penalty minutes. Uh, I have you fighting guys like uh, Kevin Young, Alexander Carrier, Clark Seymour, uh, Charlie Dodero. You fought him twice in back-to-back games. I'm wondering if there was something there. And someone named Rolf Freibergs. Uh, any of those names uh, jog any memories? Uh, the Carrier one. Um, big guy from yeah. Adirondack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember we had... We we were short on players, so I think we took um, we we called up like uh, one of the colleges nearby um, that would just finish the season, and we signed this kid. And he, I think he was smaller than me at that point. Um, and Carrier, I think, just absolutely ran him. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like you have no choice; your yeah. hands are tied. It's like. And I wind up fighting him, and I thought I did pretty well for as big as he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the one I remember too. Uh, yeah, the, the the East Coast League it's mm-hmm. it's definitely um, it's definitely a fun fun league to play in for sure. But um, yeah, you gotta keep your head up, also. <laughs> yeah, and and the bad thing with them is you know like I'm a lot older than you, so when I think ECHL, I think you know, Johnstown and Wheeling, these like blue collar mill towns, dark arenas and physical hockey. And now I don't know when they started doing this, but they control all the video. They don't let, they, they do their best to keep the fight videos off the internet. Like people don't fit down there. It's a real pain in the ass when I'm doing research for these. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're, they're in those, those not so popular, uh, areas yeah. of the country anymore. <laughs> right. Um, there is some video of you on uh, YouTube from Manchester, uh, a game against Norfolk, uh, four goals in one game. How fun was that? Yeah, that was really fun. That was a big <laughs> like confidence booster. Um, but 
before that trip, I think we got off the bus. We went from, I want to say Adirondack to Norfolk mm-hmm. and back to back nights. So we leave Adirondack, we play in Adirondack, we leave and then we go to Norfolk and we're playing that next day. Mm-hmm. I remember getting off the bus at like, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. going into the hotel to sleep, eat and then go to the game. Yeah. And it was just one of those, one of those, uh, one of those nights where uh, everything felt felt really well, um, um, felt good. So, um, yeah, it was a big like confidence booster for me too at that time because I haven't gotten called up yet to any of the coast teams, but our uh, American League teams. So that was uh, yeah, it was a fun night. <laughs> then um, your final year, you're back in Manchester, point a game, fifty points, fifty games, eighty three pims. Um, just some of the names I'll throw out at you. And again, I wish I had the video to back these up. That's why I'm relying on you. If any of these are, uh, uh, story worthy, but I got a Terrence Wallen, Peter Schneider, Kurt Gogol, Nathan Moon, and Perry D'Arisso. Yeah. I remember Gogol. I played against him when he was with Worcester and we were in, um, I was in Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it was just like, kind of like a dirty, dirty Sears and he, um, yeah, I think it, it was just we, we were that down there for I, th- I want to say three games mm-hmm. or two games, um, and we just had enough with each other mm-hmm. that we're, we're going to go and uh, yeah, it just happened quick <laughs> and everything. I think I had a, a busted hand at that point and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but um, yeah, I feel like all, all, all the those kind of fights just happen mm-hmm. happen very very quickly. <laughs> uh, and the cool thing about that year is you got to spend the month, uh, the month of December with uh, Springfield Thunderbirds. So you did make it back to the American League in your final year, uh, reunited with your buddy Josh Brown. Another guy you played with there, uh, he seems like I don't know, like the videos I watch seem like it might be a little crazy. Probably a great guy, but a little crazy on the ice. That's uh, Cena Akalazi. Yeah, Cena. Yeah, he's he, he's awesome off the ice, on the ice, tough as nails. Yeah. Like guy you want on your team. Yeah. I mean every guy we're talking about you want mm-hmm. on their team. But yeah, he was uh he was great. I yeah. mean tough, he's thick too. Mm-hmm. Um uh very, very, very strong, strong kid. Um um and fun to be around. Yeah. Likes to laugh and mm-hmm. um and tough, so <laughs> Yeah. Um Jordy Kinnear was the coach there and everybody that I ask about Jordy Kinnear has nothing but praise for that guy, especially going back to Mike Cornell he loves him and uh uh, I know Kinnear was a defenseman but uh as the head coach how'd you find playing for Jordy I loved it I wish I could have played more games for him yeah um I uh in one of my like last games like he came in something happened I think I think it was Bridgeport actually Mm. um they called me up out of nowhere I wasn't I wasn't playing and calls me up late at night and says hey you got to someone someone's going to pick you up i wasn't on the team bus or anything someone's going to pick you up and you're coming into bridgeport so i was excited about that and i wound up having a pretty uh pretty decent game with three points and that was like all right i got my payback in a way like yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, you know um but playing for jordy he's so motivational he, he likes the tough style and you know i um i wish i could have played more games for him um, and just going by those last two seasons, you were, I mean, you were still a productive player. Those are first line numbers. You bring that at ed- edge of sandpaper. Uh, what led to your decision to retire? 
Um, I just, uh, I kind of, I just had a, you know, I, I felt like playing in the, playing in the coast is, is, it's a grind. Mm-hmm. I mean, playing in the American leagues, a grind too, mm-hmm. but, um, my body was, uh, not holding up. Well, you play three and th- three games in less than less than three nights, um, took a toll on me. Um, and I just, uh, I kind of felt, um, I, I wasn't in love with it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, like going to the rink and it's like, it should be like, yeah, I'm happy you go into the, the rinks, your office. I'm very fortunate um, that I was able to experience that. Mm-hmm. But then I like, um, I just, I kind of had enough, enough of, you know, the, the bus trips, my mm-hmm. body, more my body. Yeah. And that kind of led to the decision um, to, you know, hang it up. But right. it, it's it was a very it was I remember thinking it wasn't like I was on the fence or anything like that. It was just like I'm done. Yeah. Like and, like I can't. And I'm glad like um I know I made the right decision just with my body because at the end of the day, if, especially with my neck and nerve damage and stuff like that, um that's kind of uh that was kind of the the main reason. So in between your last year in Manchester and then uh, the company I'm going to ask you about that you're involved with now, uh, Torch Pro, which I believe is was uh, your uh, company 39 that you rebranded this year. Uh, what did you do between retiring and then company 39? And then after that, can you tell me a little bit about what Torch Pro is? Yeah. Um, yeah, right after I got right into – um, company 39, um, with a former teammate, Matt, Matt Fornitaro. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of jumped right into it. I, like I made that decision where, you know, I'm not playing, but I jumped right into company 39 with Matt. Um, and it was probably one of the best experiences, um, having away from the ice. Um, what we're trying to do is, um, you know, you learn from the people that have been there. I mean, if I if I can go back in time, I do things differently. Mm-hmm. And now we want to learn from the people that are there right now and what they've done to get to where they are. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you if you could learn from, uh, you know, an athlete like like Joe Pavelski or a Charlie McAvoy. And what do they consistently do on a day-to-day basis that keeps them healthy, keeps them strong, and keeps them at the top of their game? Uh, is this geared for? Is this strictly geared for athletes, or is this something that the general public could also find useful? I believe the general public can find useful because, I mean, if if you're a professional athlete, like they, you you're doing it your whole life, mm-hmm. um, and. I, it's definitely geared towards an athlete that wants to improve and, um, get an, uh, get an edge for, um, to get to their top of their game. Mm -hmm. I, I just, um, I think it's useful for anything. If you, if you want, uh, to have knowledge of a professional athlete who's played in the game for 13 years, I, I think it could benefit anyone. And if people were interested in finding out more, how can they, how can they find out more about Torch Pro? Yeah, you go to torchpro.com, you sign up for free and you'll have access to, you know, all the athletes that that we have and we work with, um whether it's um videos, what their outside interests are, their away from the rink, what they like um 
some hobbies, their nutrition, um, how they prepare on game day and stuff like that. It's, um, it's really, really cool. It's been four years now. Um, and, uh, very, couldn't be more excited to see how far we've come. So Joe, we are, uh, you and I have now been speaking officially for two hours and one minute. We've recorded uh, about an hour and 50 minutes of it. I've asked you a lot of questions. I started out with the first question is about the young Joe diamond. Uh, last question I always ask people is, uh, did I forget anything about your career that uh, is interesting and that you'd like to bring up? Um, there was one thing. So I'm playing in Manchester and just cause it's uh, relevant to this podcast. Sure. Um, and I think he was in town this weekend, uh, but I'm playing in Manchester. We go down to South Carolina. We're playing the stingrays and who's oh. on the team. <laughs> I know is, what you're gonna say. You know where I'm going, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> So is Trevor Gillies. Mm -hmm. So I had a great relationship with everyone on uh, the South Carolina Stingrays. And so all the guys are still on that team. So everyone's heckling me on the bench, going back and forth, this and that. Mm -hmm. And I know, obviously, Trevor Gillies from uh, the Islanders. That fight with Pittsburgh is probably that's up there with Carnsey and uh islanders history but mm-hmm. um so he's all over me trevor he's like <laughs> you little rat fucking this and that just like and all the boys are lot, and i'm loving it too yeah. i'm like oh my god so i line up against them uh one of the face-offs and i was like hey can i have your stick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes what he like he had like a confused face mm-hmm. on like wait he's like and i think he said or uh something like I think he said, like, no one's asked me that before. <laughs> like, like, it, but I was like such a fan yeah. um, at the time. And uh, yeah, and sure enough, I, I come out of the locker room and we're in Charleston. So we have one night there. So all the guys just get out of the locker room and go downtown as fast as I can. And I come back to the rink uh, the next morning and there's a stick in my stall nice. uh, signed from uh, Trevor Gillies. Um, which was I thought was really cool. It <laughs> so what, that, what's it like lining up against him? He's just scared. Like you know, he'll <laughs> eat your lunch like, <laughs> and take your money. Like, <laughs> but he's a very respectful guy. He plays yeah. hard, and you know, like I, I, I've talked to him um, a, a few times after that, the series and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, uh, he's a great dude. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you know, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but scary. Yeah. <laughs> He's less scary without the uh, food Manchu, but still scary nonetheless. Yeah. And the handlebar mustache. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, like I just imagine playing against him, especially in the East coast league and you get these kids from everywhere and that maniac is on the bench yelling at them. They've got to be wondering if they made the wrong life choice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm <laughs> glad I'm five, seven at that point. <laughs> Well, Joe, and not, this is, and not, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm not willing to yeah. go after him. Like, <laughs> nope. No, I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, this has been amazing. I really, I really appreciate this. This is as fun as I hoped it would be because your hockey journey is incredible. Plus you're a Long Island kid, Islander fan. Uh, I spent the last two hours with a giant smile on my face, even though uh, you couldn't see it. And I just really want to say thanks for the time. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best uh, in all your future endeavors. 
Oh, Joe, I appreciate that. This was awesome too. I, I mean, telling stories, uh, and you, you know, your stuff. I love what you're doing with Thank this you. podcast. Hopefully, um, you know, we'll, we'll, since we're down the road, hopefully we'll grab a beer, one of these games or, um, get to a game. Oh, hopefully hell yeah. it, it's going to happen. Back. We're going <laughs> to arrange that as soon as we hang up and stop recording. I'm going to, we're going to arrange that right now. Awesome. I can't all right, wait. Joe. Have a great all day. All right. All right. Thanks brother. All right. Peace. Bye. Thanks again to Joey for his time. Uh, I know he was very pleased with how the interview came out, and I know I was really pumped. It was great to uh, talk to a local kid who, like I said, was really one step away from achieving his lifelong dream of playing for the New York Islanders. So uh, so that story really is, uh, to me, it's a great story. Joey was awesome, and uh, once again, thanks, Joe. I really appreciate it. Uh, as far as next week goes, so I have been toying with the, the idea for a new series that uh, would coincide with the interviews plus the season series. And it's another, it's an idea that I've had. I've reached out to a few guys. Everybody I've reached out to has said yes. Uh, and everybody I've reached out to has had some sort of technical difficulties. So I am 99.9% .9 positive that the person that I'm going to reach out to this week is going to be able to do this. And uh, I won't let the cat out of the bag. But I think it's a pretty cool idea, and uh, we'll see what happens. Ultimately, you guys, you people, will be the judge whether it's a good idea or not. So stay tuned for that, and uh, hopefully I'll bring it to you. And uh, like I said, it's a little twist on what I've been doing here for the last year or so. So everybody, have a great day, have a great week, and stay safe.